This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Week 18 and the final game of the NFL's 2023 regular season. We're coming to you live from Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida, as the 10-6 Buffalo Bills face the 11-5 Miami Dolphins. It quite literally all comes down to this. Two teams, one game for the AFC East title. To a back to pass, looking left, trying to find Hill downfield, and it's picked off. Christian Benford intercepted it. He undercut the route by Tyreek Hill and picked it off. And now comes in motion right to left. It's a pitch to the right to Achan. Works through a block into the open field. 10-5. Touchdown Miami. Back to pass. Pressure coming. Heaves it down the left sideline. Looking for Diggs. And he makes the catch over Eli Apple. Holy cow, I can't believe he got it! Fakes the handoff, throws it over the middle, and it bounces high in the air! It's caught by Trent Sherfield for the touchdown! He looked like a center fielder in a baseball game! It got deflected at the line, popped straight up in the air. Sherfield spotted it and pulled it down! Tua throws to the right corner of the end zone where it's caught by Tyreek Hill for the touchdown as he beat Benford on the play. Backing Hardy up to his own five. Gets to the 10, to the 15, through a hole to the 20. 25, 30, he could go. 50, 40, they're not gonna get him. Deontay Hardy going the distance for the touchdown. And we're an extra point away from a tie ball game. Here's the snap, fires over on the right side and into the end zone for the touchdown is Dawson Knox. Play clock down to eight and they shove him over the line of scrimmage and Josh vaulted over the pile and it is a first down, unquestionably so. Fourth and one situation at the Dolphins 37. One yard could be the difference in winning the AFC East. Here's the snap, and Allen jumps over the pile. He's short by two links of the chain. It's a turnover on downs. Back to pass as the Bills fans get into it. Fires out to the left sideline, and it's intercepted by Taylor Rapp. Picked off at the 23-yard line. Rapp is shaken up on the play as he goes down, but he made the INT. It's nothing but Bills Mafia in the stands here at Hard Rock Stadium as the Bills, for the fourth consecutive year, are AFC East champions. Doggy, that is your Toshiba game rewind. <laughs> Toshiba, the official copier company of Let's the Buffalo Bills. Welcome to a Buffalo Victory Monday, a Buffalo Football Monday, as uh, we are basking in the glow of a fourth straight division title that the Bills at the wire steal from the Miami Dolphins by virtue of a 21 to 14 victory and I don't know if I've seen more NFL memes 
Oh, referencing man. the Bills tracking down the Dolphins here over the last five weeks of the season. We've had the DK Metcalf catching Buda Baker play <laughs> when he comes back after an interception and tackles him after running 98 yards to knock him down and out of bounds before he gets to the end zone. I've seen horse racing footage right. of horses coming from deep from the final turn, making up 12 lengths in like the last quarter mile to win a horse race with a Bills logo on the side of the horse. People are getting creative on social media this morning. And oh, by the way, Bills Mafia keeps receipts. Oh, Holy cow. The amount of Bills fans with Dolphins fan predictions, Ah, the Bills have injuries. The division is ours. Ah, they lost in overtime to the Eagles. It's over. Stamp our ticket. We're hosting the AFC title game. These people, oh my gosh. You could you could build a mountain like Mount Everest with the amount of dirt people were throwing on the Bills. <laughs> right? It would it would cover the Empire State Building. And uh they weren't having it. Five games later, they're eleven and six. Number two seed in the conference. Um, their quarterback is playing as well as anybody. Uh, he's, that's, his, that's his game, and people can't get their head around it. Nobody cares how many turnovers you have when you're scoring more, way more touchdowns than you are turning it over. And the Bills are piling it on. Uh, they got out of their own way the first half. You knew that, that the first half was kind of the game you expected. Dolphins had a plan. Uh, they ran the ball for 100 yards in the first half. You think, oh, man, here we go. It's going to be rough. Eight yards in the second half. Eight. Seven. Seven. That's right. 108 yards they ran. Seven yards of rushing in the second half. 50 yards passing by two. They the absolutely half. turned off the faucet on the Dolphins. Congratulations to Sean McDermott, the defensive staff. And the roster of this club is – it really has the depth we thought it did in the preseason. It's proven it through the d- injuries of the defense early in the season. Now, last night, Ryan Vandermark, out of nowhere, plays left tackle in a division championship game. On the game-winning touchdown. On right. the game-winning touchdown. Ryan Vandermark. Uh, Rasul Douglas out. Dane Jackson in. Um, right, broke up a huge pass over the middle to Tyreek. Balen Specter comes in and makes a couple of big time tackles huge in the run huge front. in the run game in the second half uh you've got all these guys coming from everywhere on the roster Sherfield coming in and making the catch against Spelling his former Gabe team Davis. Spelling, Gabe Davis goes down Sherfield's in touchdown thank you very much um it was just one guy after another stepping up and you know everybody always talks about that analogy well you got to be hitting on all cylinders when you hit the playoffs don't forget there's 53 cylinders on the roster and 25 coaches that got to be hitting. That's like 78 cylinders you got to hit. They were hitting on all of them last night. Well, and and that is, you know, people are going to look back at this season and say, you know, and maybe we'll use this as a show topic later this week, but what one word would you use to describe this iteration of the Buffalo Bills? And I know that resilient has been thrown around a lot. I think there's an even better one for this team this season. Resourceful. Every time this team has had to go to the well deep on their roster, make a coaching change, go into their coaching staff roster, they have come out of it without drop-off when you think about it. Now, 
trying to recover from the loss of three all-pro caliber players on defense in weeks six, seven, and eight, that was a challenge, and you understand why. Took them a while to recalibrate, but they did. Now pushed into a similar position last night in a division title football game. Gabe Davis, out. Deion Dawkins, out. Rasul Douglas, out. Man, it was a bad night if your last name started with D. Um, And then you also had uh, Tyrell Dodson. Did I say Dodson? Dodson, Dawkins, uh, Rasul Douglas, all out. Davis, out. So, I mean, you had a cavalcade of injuries. Everybody that came in contributed and did something. They, were, they weren't just yeah, on the field. They were making plays. They were noticeable. Yeah, they were making plays. And, My, and that's, the, that's amazing because we, we were walking in here, and I was telling everybody, you and I have been doing this show, and people have been, we talk to people all the time, all Bills fans say, we listen to the show, it's all great. We're, we've been doing this all year round. Week after week after week in March and April and May and June, and you think, this right now, Bills fans, this is why we're doing this show. This week's, these couple of weeks are what it all leads up to. And I can't wait to see the team play. Right. I can't wait to see them play. I, I just want them, it'd be awesome if this team, this Bills team, would just reveal uh, how good they really are. Because right? yes. I think there's still some people out there who doubt. Oh, Yeah. And, you know, it was five weeks ago where I heard a lot of them uh, chirping at me on my Twitter handle, telling me I should apologize for calling Sean McDermott a defensive guru after the week four win over the Dolphins. You need to apologize to us. A very vocal minority was coming out and coming after me. Um, I'm not apologizing for anything. (laughs) I'd like to apologize to absolutely nobody, in the words of Conor McGregor. (laughs) I'd like Um, to apologize to absolutely nobody. Yeah. Um, Sean McDermott outcoached Mike McDaniel twice, twice this the, season. Hey, the second when half everybody that, was yeah. all gaga about Mike McDaniel, offensive guru, offensive right. genius, and look, he's, he's got coach. a great system. He's a good coach. There's no question about it. I I respect Mike McDaniel as a coach. You know what I like most about Mike McDaniel? He he gives it to you straight, win, lose, or draw, and he did it last night, and he basically admitted that. They got outplayed, and they got outcoached, in the second half especially. So I give him full marks for that. But Bill's got a pretty good guy. And I'm, and I'm going to say this, too. Fans, you know, they get upset when the team underachieves. And there was a stretch there where this team was underachieving. I don't think there's any question about that. I'll, I'll buy that argument if you want to give that to me. I'm, I'm fine with that. But as I said back then, let's see how it turns out when the regular season's over and and here we are five straight victories not all of them pretty by any means but sometimes the biggest difference between champions and also rans are finding a way to get the job done and that's what the bills have done over the last five weeks they have found a way to get the job done second part of this thing concerning mcdermott and i'll use a one-word description again sustainability This team is going to the playoffs for the fifth time in six years. They have won four straight division titles. Five seasons of double-digit wins. Five seasons of double-digit wins. The Chiefs are the only other team to do that in the entire league. And people are like, ah, you know, they peaked. Their window's closing, all of this stuff. I don't think people fully appreciate 
how hard it is to sustain that level of playoff caliber football, performance, roster quality in the salary cap era for that long a period of time. And if you want an example of how hard it is, look at the Philadelphia Eagles. They were the cat's meow last year. Rocketed to the NFC title, coasted to the Super Bowl. They couldn't sustain it. They lost an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. Couldn't do it. Bills have lost an offensive coordinator. Bills have lost a defensive coordinator in the time that they have been successful. And they still found a way to win a division and get back to the playoffs. Don't dismiss it. There is a reason why Sean McDermott is good at what he does. And that kind of sustainability is a rarity in this league. How rare? As I said, Bills, Chiefs, only two teams with double-digit wins for the last five, last four seasons, I think it is. Last 20, 21, 22, 20, five seasons. Five seasons. It is hard to sustain that level of excellence in this league, which is as competitive as any in professional sports. And I'll say this, too. You can say, well, he had, you know, Josh Allen was a big difference maker. Well, hey, sure. A lot of teams have – the Bills aren't the only one with an elite quarterback. Other – I'll say this. Josh is far and away um, as, good, as good a quarterback as there is in the league. I don't want to say he's by himself, but he's up there. At, he's always with Mahomes, with Josh, with Burrow when he's healthy, with Lamar, Lamar when he's healthy – and those guys have the qualifiers, not Josh. Josh shows up. And uh, this, it's, it's a great – listen, I, I'm, not, I really don't, I'm not interested in gloating over how the, the Bills did it. We thought – Brownie and I legitimately, genuinely thought this team had it under the hood to win these last five games and get to this point. We legitimately thought there's a good chance that Baltimore would give Miami problems. I didn't know the Tennessee Titans would give them problems. I'll say that. Got to send them a fruit basket. I'll say that, but I'll, and and I didn't know the, you know they, were, but I saw this too. I did not see other teams when the Bills were sitting at eleventh place four weeks ago, three weeks ago. I did not. I did see other teams not having it under the hood to do what the Bills were capable of doing. I knew other teams would fall back, like Cincinnati. I mean, they're doing it with backup quarterbacks. Yeah, all these teams, the Gardner Minshews of the world, you know, they just. Don't have it under the hood like this team does. You look at all these power analytics, the you know the power rankings where they go deep into the analytics. Bills are in the top five all the time, and sometimes top three, top two, and they have been the top team. I mean, they're right there all the time because of the the way they play, the way they're coached. And last night was a great example of it. That second half last night was a coaching clinic, and I and I get it. It doesn't happen like that every week. And sometimes the coaches get blamed for stuff that the players do wrong. It all, it all works together. But I'm telling you right now, this team is well coached. They got great players. They do have it under the hood. It doesn't mean they're going to outcoach every team every week because the other guys get paid too and they're, they're qualified. But man, oh man, it's been a month of Sundays since this team has gotten run off and left by anybody. If you beat this team, it, you're – clawing and scratching and kicking your way to the finish line trying to get there with your fingertip ahead of them because that this team is hard to beat they have to help it is you hard beat to beat if they don't help you you ain't doing it 
Like last night's a perfect example. I mean, that's that is quintessential Josh Allen, Brosley. <clears throat> Two picks in the first half. He comes back. We were talking about it. And a fumble. That third, that third and thirteen on that final touchdown drive. I don't know if that was the sack. That it might have been the the one before that. Third and thirteen, and Josh just rushes for fifteen. He breaks out of the pocket and. There's a still shot on social media. Josh has got who is it? Is, is a it defender on his back? It's number nine. Who's the guy? The Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram is hanging on his back, and he's got two guys bracketed him right ahead of him. He gets the first down. Yeah, he's five yards he's short five with yards Melvin short. Ingram on his back. Mel- right it's not Mel- it, right it's, there. It's Wilkins, right in ninety-four. Yeah, it, and he just gets it. And if like, first of all, they're in another in more than one or two other guys in the league at that position that are going to be able to do that play. If anybody else does it, people are absolutely blown up today about that effort right there. And Did that you is see a- Cater Kohu on there? He, gave, Watch, he wanted no he part He wanted of it. no part he of that. Cater no Kohu, ole! He ole. wanted no part of that. <laughs> and let me tell you, if, if, think, about, think about how absolutely no way Tua makes that play. Think about Tua making a play like that. That you can't even imagine it. No, I can't even picture Tua attempting that play. And Josh makes it, and it's like it's not even a blip on anybody's radar. Yeah, that's the guy. I think Sean McDermott described it best after the game when he when he was talking about Josh. He said he would not be denied. And that when Josh gets into that mode, good luck. Because when he – and the players said as much too. Trent Sherfield was waxing poetic about it last night, saying when he has that look in his eye and we're going, he goes, the hair on the back of my neck stands up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard not to get pumped when your leader has that look in his eye like this is happening Come follow me. Yeah, they they um, you can and I know Bills fans who watch every every moment of every broadcast. They catch all the sideline shots of Josh, and there's always a conversation about what he looks like on the whether he's down, whether he's you know, we've all seen it. Whether, he, whether he's you know whether he's whether he's a a beat up dude sitting on the sidelines, his hair's on, and he's got his eyes down, or he's got this look in his eye like, oh, dude, you know. We we all think we and we all project our own feelings yeah. onto Josh, whatever it is. And I don't know. Yeah, it gets to the point where coaches and players on the sidelines, because they interact with him every day, they do see differences in guys. I used to do it with our team, guys, teammates of ours. You could see when they were on, when they were going to get it. Uh, I'm sure uh, Sean has those feelings about Josh, and they can tell when the guy's on. Um, Last night in the second half of that game, it wasn't just Josh. It was everybody had it turned on. Sherfield, Hardy. The coaching staff, Diggs, Shakir, Kincaid, Knox, those guys on offense. I thought last night the Bills just – they moved the ball through Miami's defense like nothing. And you would expect them to with all the guys they had injured. And then they had more injuries through the course of the game. That's right. And then, you know, they get in the red zone. It was The Bills were their own worst enemy trying to get it into the end zone. Yeah. And, you know, credit to the Dolphins. That's how they kept the game close. Because their offense was yeah. not effective last night. And to a man, everybody said from the Bills' sideline that the 96-yard punt return by Deontay Hardy was the spark they needed. And you could feel 
the momentum shift um, from that point in time. Because not only do they get the 96-yard punt return for a touchdown, if memory serves, the defense comes out on the field and they send Miami three and out on offense. And you felt a complete momentum shift yeah. at that point in time. You could feel the you And could the see fans it, were back into the game. Now, I know on a lot of the highlights, you can see a lot of blue behind the Bills' sideline, and that's where most of the Bills' fans were located. There was a smattering of Bills' fans everywhere else. I would say maximum it was 35% Bills' fans in the seats. It was not the 52% that – you know, some um, some ticket services right. were purporting. I'll say this, though. On but the you heard them. Yeah. After that punt return, they got back in the game, and you heard them on the ensuing third down by Miami, and you heard them pretty much the rest of the game. And my favorite part was after the interception by Rapp, I have never seen a stadium empty so quickly. Oh, yeah. And with, like, 48 seconds left, I don't know if there was a Dolphins fan in the building. Yeah, that – It was glorious. And it's uh, – you, you're right. Uh, you could hear it on the broadcast. When all of us back here in western New York, and I know there were thousands of fans down there. We saw the social media posts all over the place. Yeah. You could actually hear the roar. Uh, and Mike Tirico and Collinsworth mentioned it, that there was a ton of Bills fans in the stadium. You're right. It wasn't – yeah, it wasn't the majority, as you, you'd kind of realistically think. ton of Bills fans. And, and there's a, a – we just reposted a, a tweet, uh, Thurman did, of the Hardy touchdown run, the, the punt return from field level, and you, you can see the hot, whole side of the stadium. Yeah, and there's that was the side. of Bills fans. That was the side. That was, was the side where they all It were. was amazing. Um, really nice showing by Bills Mafia up there. And, and as you would expect, in a game like that, Particularly for a team like Buffalo, there's a couple of them that do. There's the Cowboys, the Steelers. Steelers travel well, as we may see this week. Buffalo travels well, and so so do the Packers fans. Packers fans, yep. Um, but those those franchises are kind of a part, and that's the Bills showed up big time. Uh, the Bills Mafia showed up big time in in Miami last night, and and it was noticeable. Yeah, and but you're the, right. That that return was a big moment. So the end of the broadcast, our sideline reporter Sal Capacho usually grabs a player after a victory and we you know we get a couple of questions in and get them on the air before we sign off for the night all of a sudden Sal gets coach McDermott like he gets handed to us and uh you could hear the emotion in coach McDermott's voice usually you don't hear from coach until about 20 minutes to a half hour after the game's over he's kind of collected himself you know, and he talks to the media after the game and answers questions. This is like 15 seconds after the final gun. And he is, yeah. you can hear it in his <laughs> voice, how emotional he is. Um, and <laughs> Sal asked him, turn around, look at the stands. You know, what's it like to have, you know, Bill's Mafia back here? His voice cracked. Coach's voice cracked. Like, he is, he is... I want to get the right word here. He is genuinely touched when there is that kind of support for this team on the road. Um, it means a lot to him. It means a lot to the team. Um, I want Bill's Mafia to understand it does not go unnoticed at all. And the players going up the tunnel to the locker room after the win made sure to acknowledge all those Bills fans that were in attendance, made the trip, spent their money, 
kept the faith, you know, stuck with them. That is the loyalty of Bill's Mafia that I don't think other NFL fans around the league will ever understand because they don't know the history well enough. And, and I don't expect them to. You know, you're a fan of the Cowboys. How, why are you supposed to know what Bill's history is? But it is what, in my estimation, sets Bill's fans apart from others. Yeah, the, uh, there's, you reposted this. It's a place called Optostats. Um, it said since the NFL started seeding teams for the playoffs in 1975, the 2023 Buffalo Bills are the only team to be at or below 500 with five or fewer games remaining and still yet earn the top two seed in the conference. Yeah, one of the um, top so two. That's why, and here's the thing, that's why all these, the, the national guys, the local guys, some of the guys local here, the media people, certainly national analysts, everybody was throwing dirt on the Bills. They were 6-6. Six and six. There's just no way because they think the 1975 teams that couldn't do it are like the Bills. Um, they, they think stats and analytics are predictive. And they're not. Um, the Bills are the only team to get a two seed in the conference at being six and six. Yeah, with five games to play. Right. Yeah. Unbelievable. We want to know what your biggest takeaways from the Bills' 21-14 win over the Dolphins was. So you can let us know at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. We should mention our number two. After every Bills victory, we will have the Maddie Awards with our colleague Maddie Glab. She'll be joining us in hour number two, a little over a half hour from now. And then in the third hour of the show, we'll have my broadcast partner Eric Wood joining us for his thoughts on the Bills' resourceful victory over the Dolphins. But we go to the phones, and leading us off today, out on the West Coast, is Nathan in California. What do you got for us, Nathan? Hey, how's it going? I uh, Yeah, I'm out here in SoCal, born and raised. I've been repping Bill's Mafia my whole life. I've been there through the good, the bad. The last couple of years, the Josh Allen tenure, man, I'm just, I'm loving it. Um, I'm just reveling in the Bills, uh, the Bills win, watching all the Dolphins reactions. And it, it's just, it's just, it couldn't be better, especially where they were halfway through the season. The Dolphins thought they had this in the bag, and it just it, it just it couldn't be better. But um, I wanted to call. I want to give some love on that punt return. I think it was number ninety nine, and I wanted to ask Steve about this because on the on the broadcast you can only see it for maybe a second or two. But when when uh, the runner came into the screen, you had I think it was number ninety nine was was blocking the punter, and man, this guy had him blocked up so good. He had the whole he had the whole side of the field open for Hardy, and you never see you never see the punter blocked up like that. I just never seen it. You know the punter's usually wide open for for the uh, the tackle or whatever last resort. But man, that number ninety nine. I don't even know who he is. It was Puna he Ford. Responsibility on him, and uh, I've just never seen anything like that. But that guy was definitely an unsung hero last night. And I just want to give him some love. I think it was a, was a, was a huge play. Obviously, a turning point. But, but, man, I want to see it on the All-22, but when he came into the screen, that number 99, he, he kept that responsibility, and he kept the block on the punter, and I've never seen that, and I just I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it was Puna Ford, number 98. He's a defensive tackle, and that man is 40 yards downfield, and he's blocking the punter. And as I'm calling this play, as soon as he got into the open field at the Bills' 40, the play was over. Yeah. He didn't get touched. He ran 60 yards alone. You know, um, 
He was gearing down at the Miami 40 because the play was over. He just had to not trip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just don't fall over. And, yeah, you're right. Puna Ford did it. There was also right at the big point, and a lot of people thought uh, there was a block right at the point where one of the linebackers looked like it might have been a block in the back. And I'm like (laughs) – and, yeah – you can you could probably find four penalties on that on that return on both teams, but that's the way those t- that's the way those plays go. When you give up a touchdown return, there's always always somebody in there going, "Man, I got blocked in the back." Uh, I thought it might have. I thought I was looking for a flag. It, you just never see that. Uh, it what you the officials don't want to call those. They don't want to call blocks in the back. I felt like the officials didn't want to call anything. Yes, last night. I thought they were I thought they, they did not want to be penalty. a part of that game at all. The pass interference on Dawson Knox, Dawson Knox the uh, targeting, targeting on, on, Ty the, on the goal line of Ty Johnson. Um, and there's probably some for the Buffalo Bills against the Dolphins too that they just just didn't feel like calling. Um, I thought they called the hold on Dane Jackson. Um Ugh. I I thought that was innocuous, uh, but you know what are you going to do? That's uh, I thought the officials stayed out of it, and uh, that play was was another you know indication that that's where they were at. I that but I'll say this too, going back to our original point, that you could feel even on the broadcast the emotions emotional swing in favor of Buffalo. It, it carried over in the next defensive series. Yeah, they went three and out. Miami. And you could see it, and that was, that was enormous. That, getting that game tied with the Sherfield touchdown, I mean, the, uh, with the Hardy touchdown, was an em- emotional huge boost for the, for the whole club. And that just speaks again to the resourcefulness of this football team. Because just two weeks ago, People were criticizing Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy as guys that haven't done anything for this football team. And here we are in the most important game of the season. Gabe Davis is injured. Trent Sherfield scores a touchdown on an alert second reaction type play. And Deontay Hardy delivers the turning point play of the game with a 96-yard punt return for a touchdown. We got to take a break here, but Bob and Hamburger lead us off as we get to more of your phone calls at 803-0550-1888-550-2550 on a Buffalo Victory Monday for your AFC East champion, Buffalo Bills. We're back in a flash here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. This week's Player of the Game is presented by Wegmans Meals to Go. Wegmans Meals to Go, delicious meals delivered. Download their app today. And uh, I might file a little bit of protest here, but I get it. Deontay Hardy is your player of the game, thanks in large part to his 96-yard punt return in the fourth quarter against the Dolphins. So 96 yards, and incidentally, Steve, that is the longest punt return in Bill's history to go for a touchdown, eclipsing the previous record of 91 yards held by Keith Moody, who was a very good return man for the Bills. He's got a lot of Bills records in the return game, and it was the turning point of the game. I think you could submit that Josh Allen, with 426 yards of total offense, could factor into the conversation, too. But that's fine. We'll give it to Hardy. How about having 420 yards of total offense going under the radar? It didn't for me. On the the radio broadcast, he was our difference-making player of the game, Josh. So 
we we gave it to them there. One other thing too is one thing about it. So the Bills, um, they get this big boost from Hardy. I want to talk about this in the first segment that got by me. So somebody's put this out on social, and it was it's awesome. The Bills score the touchdown to Dawson Ox to take the lead, twenty to fourteen, and. Tyler Bass is backed up to kick the extra point, and they show the thing. And the Bills take the lead over the Dolphins with 7-1-6 left on the clock in the fourth quarter. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that was awesome. Yeah, I Seven saw minutes that. and 16 seconds, and the Bills kick the extra point to take the lead in the AFC East. That was, that was a very nice little moment of serendipity there. So uh, kind of a cool moment. I, I don't have a problem with giving it to Hardy. That – the thing about last night, and you know, stuff like this happens once in a while, where you just got a chance to appreciate guys that we didn't get a chance to appreciate during the regular season, haven't had a chance to see during the regular season. Hardy has been out there and he's been playing, but you know, to have his moment happen in that situation, awesome. Taylor Rapp's only interception of the of the year comes to ice the game for the division championship. Balen Specter comes in and just like cuts a swath through the Miami run game what, what, that had been being nicking the Bills all the entire game. Balen Spector comes in. You, Ryan Vandermark from nowhere, from the top rope, comes in <laughs> and plays. I, I told Steve this before we came on the air, and Eric Wood mentioned this on the broadcast because he saw it. Um, is my favorite moment maybe of the entire game. Ryan Vandermark comes in because – Deion Dawkins is literally getting his ring finger stitched up after an ugly thing happened to his finger. And then they're still taping him while the drive is going on. And Vandemark's on the field. I think outside of field goal unit stuff, it's some of his first action on offense the entire regular season. He might have come in on for like for a sixth yeah. offensive line, but he did not. Or play in right. garbage time at the end of some blowout right. games That's that they right. won early in the season. That's right. He's coming in at the most important time of the football game, a touchdown drive to take the lead. They finish the drive. They score the touchdown, you know, the pass from Allen to Knox. Deion Dawkins runs onto the field, and he picks up Ryan Vandermark in a bear hug. That was awesome. I mean, if you want to describe what the Buffalo locker room is like, that's it. Yeah, That's it right there. Quintessential Buffalo Bills locker room moment. Right there. Deion Dawkins hugging the guy that replaced him in the lineup on what proved to be the game-winning touchdown drive. Just special, special stuff. Yeah. Let's go back to the phones at 803-0550, And to Bob in Hamburg here to lead us off. Let me punch him up here. What's going on with my thing? There we yeah, go, Bob. Baby. Now we got you. Oh, man, what a night I had. It was a great game. Nobody gave us a chance after that Philadelphia game. And I'm telling you, we're going to Super Bowl. This team has got heart. This team is like our 90s teams. They got heart. Right, Steve? Have a good yeah, one. Thank you, Bob. Yeah, they're a special team. I, I'm not – listen, there's a lot of football that has to be played before they can they go to the Super Bowl. they got to get by some really good teams. They're going to, Not to mention the least of which is the Pittsburgh Steelers coming in to high mark this next weekend. Now, you know, T.J. Watt's not going to play, and – Having that monster out of their lineup is going to help the Bills, no question about it. But to get to the Super Bowl, make no mistake, as good as the Bills are, and if they play their absolute best, they're still going to need the ball to bounce their way some, at some point along the line. They're going to need a, a fortuitous penalty call, or they're going to have to get away with something. Every team does it. This is 
when you get to this place in the NFL season, you got to play well and take advantage of mistakes by the other team. Uh, you've got to. That's just the way it is. That's the way the, that's the, way the league is built. Uh, if you play your best, you get a chance to win. Your mentality and your preparation, everything is, is key. And I've said this too. Some of the teams that we were that I was on, those the ones that you know, all those Super Bowl teams. You always and fans do this. Too. I've I've talked about this. I think on the show before. You get this idea that you got to do something special to win a big playoff game or a Super Bowl. You think like, yeah, okay, we really got to, you know, we really got to prepare better. We got to do something, and that's not true. The best way to go into the big games is that just reveal to people who you are. You're special just for being on the field. You're special because you've earned your right to be in that on that field. Reveal to people who you are. You got to go out there with a mindset of showing people who've never seen you play why you're in that game. That's the mentality you have to have uh, because it takes away all the the consequences and the angst about what happens if I make a mistake. You can't go into a game like that. You just got to say, listen, man, let me show you who what we're about. The Bills kind of had that mentality in the second half of this la- game last night. Yep. They said, let's go. Um, a lot of those guys did all those the the you know the the rinsing through of all the guys that had to step onto the field for the first time in significant action in a minute. Uh, Surefield Shakir has been doing it uh, really well. Um, you know Diggs is always in that mindset. Josh is always in that mindset. But you had other guys doing it as well. It was um, Benford had a hell of a game. I'm I'm not going to sit here and say like Bob did in Hamburger Man like the Bills are going to the Super Bowl and I you can believe it and you can hope for it and 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 you, that's fine. But there's a lot that has to happen before that, that goes on, and, and you can't skip a step. Yep. You know, you can't skip a step. Let's go to John in Buffalo next. What do you got for us, John? This, uh, uh, this is John Foley calling, and I just want to tell you that I'm so proud of our team. Tremendous effort by every player on that team. When we were having people going down, that every player on that team that – Sean would put on that field, did a tremendous job. I'm so thankful for our team. Uh, on the tremendous quarter quarterback. I, I, I love him. When sometimes you see in the beginning of the game where he threw that interception in that, and I saw a play before there, there was an inter, interference call that they could have called. Sid, yeah that and, uh, because he's such a fantastic quarterback. And two gentlemen, I want to say I love each one of you, Chris, Steve. You're two, two faith leaders in our team. You always give us tremendous confidence, faith, believe in each one of the players. Um, when I came up to the stadium, I went over by Ralph Wilson's at you over there. I told him, Ralph, thank you for your loyalty to the Buffalo Bills fans, never moving the team. Been so proud of this organization for so many years, going through when we lost our four Super Bowls. Never forget all the things that saw with this franchise. Each man feels this. You two gentlemen Exemplify full of Bills fan is all about. Thank you for all your positive admiration for our team and our organization. 
Love you. All right. Thanks. Thanks, John. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah. uh, I'm just going to give you a tidbit. So we know that the Bills were struggling with execution last week against the Patriots. Three drop passes on third downs to kill drives. Josh admitted the ball didn't come out of his hand well. Said he had some throwing mechanics to clean up. There were some miscues on special teams right off the jump against the Patriots. We know that. And I I was able to have a pregame radio interview for our radio broadcast with offensive coordinator Joe Brady. I asked him, how did Josh come through the practice week working on his throwing mechanics? What was the focus on some of the things that you guys felt you had to clean up in the practice week? And he said, our entire practice week was about technique and fundamentals. Nothing else. Technique and fundamentals, which I think speaks to your point, Steve, about how you don't have to do anything out of the ordinary, extra special in a big game. If you focus on technique and fundamentals, you'll execute the way you need to to win a football game like this. Now, did they still make some mistakes? Sure. You know, you had turnovers. In this league, with the level of competition as tight as it is, it is hard to play a perfect game. It is really hard, but the focus that they put in through the course of the practice week enabled them to make more plays and execute more effectively than the Miami Dolphins, and it's a big reason why they are AFC's champions again. Uh, yeah, you wanna- you're right. It's it's everything that goes right and everything that goes wrong. There, there, you know, some, you can generalize, and it doesn't really give you the specifics of every inst- instance. But think about it. When you're fundamental and technique sound, the rest of it is just situational. Uh, the rest of it is just like in what situation do you need to get down to stop the clock? When, you know, to catch the pass and stay in bounds. Um, you saw late, you know, last night when Josh was scrambling, he tried to stay in bounds. Actually, put his hand out of bounds. Um, the technique of you know guys blocking the punter on the last on the punt return. Um, and then the rest is, you know, flexing. Like when Josh, this the highlight we're looking at right now, third and third and th- I can't get over this play. Third and thirteen, and Josh runs for fifteen, and those guys wanted no part of him. They wanted no part of him. Um, Cater they were getting they Olé. were getting out of the way. Yeah, um, it was it was you know your technique and your fundamentals are so important. And it gets you through to the point where your own abilities and your own training and your own expertise take over and you can make a superlative play in a situation uh, because you, your fundamentals took you there. Um, it's just, you know, that, that's the way it works. Um, you can bet that this week with a Sunday at 1 o'clock game, this, this place is going to be on a rhythm. I mean, they're going to be in their rhythm right through the week on a routine, getting ready. Uh, certainly they're going to be heightened awareness going around. But this is going to be a week like any other for this team. They're going to have meetings, practice, discussions, conversations, game planning, and it's going to be exactly like it is on a regular Sunday afternoon because, you know, that's, that's the level of professionalism. That's their, that's their culture, man. This, let's go. And it's, uh, you can bet it's going to be a very normal week around here except for one thing. <laughs> there's that there's that thing in the background that says this is why it this is it man we've been Brownie and I've been doing this show all year 
Remember, you guys, all, the, they've been yeah. all with us Went through March and April. And, and May, we're not even playing and on people Sunday. And are, people are going, you do the show all year round? I go, yeah. He goes, what do you talk about? And I'm like, we talk about this team for this moment this week. Yeah. So for Brown and I, <laughs> you can peel us off the ceiling. But the players over here, they're just, they're in there and they're working out. You know, they're doing their thing. Uh, yeah, saw some of them this morning. Yeah. Just getting their conditioning work in some other stuff. Break time for us. More of your phone calls when we come back here on a Buffalo Victory Monday. It's One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Numbers That Matter is presented by the New York Lottery. Since the NFL began seeding teams for the playoffs in 1975, the 2023 Buffalo Bills are the only team to be at or below 500 with five or fewer games remaining in the regular season and still earn a top two seed in the playoffs. It was a come-from-behind thievery of the AFC East. Last night in Miami Gardens. Let's get right back to the phones because we got a lot of people holding. And we go to Len in Olean next. What do you got for us, Len? Oh, Chris and Steve, I was the one that called six weeks ago, and I said, let's win the last six and get the East champion. And, Chris, you said, well, let's thank you for your optimism. And then you guys went on to um, just explain the possibilities of what was happening. And I'm just one of the fans just looking forward to the Bills' victory over Pittsburgh. That's all. I'm excited. I mean, I, I'm excited. I slept last night. I'm excited. That's all. Thank you. All right. You got it, Len. Yeah. Uh, a lot yeah. of people are riding high this morning or this afternoon. Yeah. I don't know what time it is. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. We, yeah. <clears throat> I think it's 3 a.m. But, um, well, thanks for calling back, Len, because we had a lot of people. Well, Brownie and I, you know, we're obviously we're in the building, so we're we're going to spin everything as positive as we can. Even when the Bills were six and six and lost overtime to the Eagles, and and there were people, you know, you writing hit job hit jobs on the head coach, and there all this kind of stuff going. The offensive coordinator changes. Um, it was dark. It was a dark time. Um, but this team was playing and playing really good football. Um, despite the fact that they were struggling to score points and win games. Um, and we saw it, and a lot of other people did too. Some, and I get it. We just said that you rarely see a team do what the Bills just did. When never five, happened. Win five straight to win the division and walk a team down with a three-game lead with five games to play. Yeah, they're three, they were two back in the win column, three back in the loss column because the Bills were 6-6 six and six and the Dolphins were 8-3. and three. So two back in the win column, three back in the loss column. Yeah. And they ran them down. Yeah. And then you can't even say, like, so, well, you got lucky. It, the last game was for all the mar- all the division marbles, and you played the Bills head-to-head. Yeah, it was a head-to-head loss. It wasn't like, well, they won and we lost and we had a bad break and whatever. It, You're not as good. Beat the team. You just weren't as good. Not this year. What does Ric Flair always say? <laughs> to be the man, you gotta beat the man. Yeah, they just the Bills played better than the Dolphins did in both games they played this year by far. Um, even last night in for the division on the road in Miami's building, the Bills. I mean, they were moving the football all over the Dolphins, yeah. all over them, and the Dolphins were going three and out in the second half. 
with the number one offense in the league. Yeah. So here you go. Uh, I'll run it down for you. All right. So second half, when the Bills score the touchdown on the punt return. Here's the Dolphins' last five possessions of the game in the second half. Three and out, punt. Four and out, punt. Three and out, punt. Three and out, punt. Four and out, interception. End of ball game. That's Buffalo's defense in the second half on the number one scoring team in football. Number one offense in football. Number one passing team in football. Three three and outs, two four and outs, and a pick. Let's go to Greg in North Tonawanda next. What do you got, Greg? Hey, how you doing, guys? Good. Just a wonderful Monday. Um, hey, it's just you know, it, it's just such a big, big difference with this win. Our road to the uh, the Super Bowl. I mean, we've got to host Pittsburgh, the seventh seed, and then we get another home game if we beat them instead of you know starting off going back to Miami, and then if we'd won that game, we would head play in Baltimore. And if we'd won that game, we'd have to go somewhere else. So it, it's just such an easier road that they uh, pave for themselves. Yeah. I really think that Cleveland is going to beat Houston. I think a lot of people think that. I think Cleveland's the better team. And if that happens and the Bills win, you've got um, Cleveland going to Baltimore. And the last time that happened, Cleveland won. And that might set up a situation where the championship game is at, uh, is at the home for the Bills. That, that you know, possibility Cleveland, exists, uh, Greg. Out. Yeah, you're right about that. That possibility does exist. I'm just going to tell you, don't sell the Houston Texans short. C.J. Stroud is the real deal. That kid yeah. is wise beyond his years. Um, you see him at the postgame podium. He sounds like a 35-year-old, and he's 22. Yeah. And that kid can he's play. Impressive. He's impressive. He can flat-out play. Really impressive. And uh, I'm telling you, man. Watch out for that kid and that Houston Texans team. They have a pass rush, and they have a quarterback. They can play. Yeah, hope you know what? Let's let's just say we hope we hope we get to that point. You know, um, you're going to take on all comers. Uh, it's you know, let it fall. The way the get, way these chips fell though was advantageous for Buffalo in a big way. Not only because of the seating that they have, Steve, but even if. Even the way the thing fell with Houston winning the division, you don't have to play them right away necessarily either because the lowest seed will go to Baltimore after this week. Right. And, you gotta, and you the Bills win. get the next lowest it's, seed provided they beat Pittsburgh. Here's the thing. It, because of history and what we've seen other years do, it's more likely that the Bills advance now with the seeding the way it is. It's not predictive. No. you got to play. No guarantees. So um, it's, it's something that – you know, when they look back on it, <laughs> Miami fans are going, oh, yeah, but you had it easy in the playoffs because you got that. Hopefully that happens. Yes. Uh, they, can, they can take it all away. But, yes, and the it Chiefs, seems and more likely. And the Chiefs likely, aren't a lock to beat the Dolphins either. It, that's right. It seems more likely, but there's no guarantees, and it's not predictive of what have, has happened in the last. But you do, want the, you do want the home game. You play better at home. Everybody does. But we saw the last night. That's not a guarantee. And for those that didn't know yet, Sunday, 1 p.m., and Steelers at Bills. That is the start of your Sunday playoff slate. Browns and Texans and Dolphins and Chiefs both play on Saturday. So the first two AFC playoff games will be done and over before the Bills even take 
the field on Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. Got to take a break. Hour number two will begin with what else after a victory on Sunday? The Maddie Awards. Our colleague Maddie Glab joins us to kick off hour number two when we return here on a Buffalo Victory Monday. It's One Bills Live presented by Collider Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. Our number two on a Buffalo Victory Division winning Monday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you and joined as we are every Monday after victories by our colleague Maddie Glab for what else? The Maddie Awards presented by Energy Mark, the official energy supplier to the Buffalo Bills. And uh, we rely on Maddie for a little energy jolt here in hour oh, yeah. number two as oh, we are yeah. all all of us across the board short on sleep after last <laughs> night. Um, so uh, hit us up, Maddie. What do we got here? Uh, we're going a little March Madness One vibe. One shining moment. Oh. <laughs> That's our first award. It's going to Taylor Rapp. The Dolphins get the ball with just under two minutes to go in this game, and the Bills turn it over on down, so that's why the Dolphins have the ball. You're thinking, could there be a momentum shift here for Miami? They pick up two back-to-back first downs, one off of a pass interference. Miami has it on Buffalo's 40-yard line, and Taylor Rapp intercepts Tua Tungvaluwa's deep ball with just over a minute left to go in, in the game, ending things Getting a victory for the Buffalo Bills, you wanted something to happen like this. You were hoping the defense could come up with a big stop or an interception or something to end it so that Miami didn't have to make it even tighter than it needed to be. The defense was huge in the second half of this game. They allowed only 57 total yards in the second half, zero points, seven rushing yards. They allowed zero rushing yards in the third quarter. I think their halftime adjustments were incredible. Kudos to Sean McDermott, Eric Washington, the defensive staff, for doing what they needed to do to really close things out. Uh, Steve and I talked about it in the postgame show last night. After that punt return touchdown, that the Bills had, that Deontay Hardy had. The defense comes back on the field. They forced two back-to-back three-and-outs and really put the Bills' offense in the position to win this game, and then the defense closes things out. One shining moment. That is you, Taylor Rapp, for being able to seal the deal, get the victory for Buffalo. And you knew this was coming up, too, and we talked about it a little bit in the first segment of the show about Deontay Hardy being the spark plug that really changed the momentum of the game. You could feel it in the crowd. Yeah. Even on the broadcast. Yeah. The Bills needed to find a way to get into the end zone in the second half, down by seven. They needed some sort of spark to get things going, and Deontay Hardy was exactly that. He's a spark with the feet that he has. He's pretty quick, and he was a spark for getting into the end zone and tying things up there. Dorian Williams, Taylor Rapp, Puna Ford had some nice blocks to open it up. 
And that's what did it. That's what was the momentum shifter that the Bills really needed. He doesn't have any crazy stats this season, but in big moments, you just need a player to show up and do the right thing. None of those stats matter when you got the ball in your hand with a chance to make a difference, and he did that. He wasn't even touched. I asked him after the game. I said, were you even touched on the return? (laughs) And he says, I don't know. I blacked out. That's what (laughs) What happens on these plays C-ball, that you just black out? Field Does that run. happen? It, is that a thing yeah, that happens? Yes. And the thing about it is you, you see him running down there. The, the sideline's going crazy. His, his coach, um, Harkey, is running down the sideline. Yeah, he's, he's, he he's running down the sideline. Um, the crowd is absolutely losing its mind. His teammates are losing their mind. And when you're running the ball like that, you can't hear or see any of it. You can't hear, even at this point, you can't hear it, you can't see it, nothing. Like you're just in a vacuum somewhere. Right, um, yeah, and, you know. Because he it, said he blacked out, and I was like, okay, he must mean he couldn't see, hear, remember anything. He's, that's just, a, he's just motor memory here. It's the, it's the corner, uh, jo- not Jordan. Uh, Josh Norman. Josh Norman he was is running the guy. Up the Josh sideline. Norman running yes. down the sideline yes. as well with the ponytail. You, 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 don't, you come out of it somewhere after the play is over and you're walking back. And you start yelling at your teammates and stuff, <laughs> having fun. But, it, yeah, you just go off the air in plays like that. It happens even – and it doesn't mean you have to have the ball. Uh, all the other guys on the field are the same way. It's the strangest thing. You just can't hear or see anything. Uh, I love it. It's awesome. Mm. He it's was awesome. the celeb on the sideline after he came back to the sideline after scoring that touchdown. Matthew Smiley, special teams coordinator, was feeling it as well. So great. Yeah. yeah. All right. So next up, uh, the guy that had a little toe drag swag last night. Best catch that's going to Trent Sherfield. He's another guy. Doesn't have the flashy stats. Comes into this game with just eight catches for 62 yards. Ball gets tipped. Goes flying in the air. Sherfield's able to locate it. Know where his feet need to be and gets the touchdown. Showing up for your team when your team needs you most. And doing it against his former team. He played for the Dolphins last season. Being able to get in the end zone, get a touchdown, was huge. That toe-drag swag. Man, oh, man, what a catch. Yeah, that was – he was the intended receiver, but Josh was trying to throw it through the four, the trees, you know, and it, and it got whacked clear up in the air by Van Ginkle. Mm-hmm. And, and it went off his helmet. Yeah. And it just and it came down perfectly. Um, he stayed with it, kept his feet in, great awareness – now, it's not easy to do. Here is, here is a fun, random fact. Let's hear it. This is the same end zone where Trent Sherfield, as a member of the Miami Dolphins, had a punt kicked off his rear end. Oh, oh. my gosh. It's the same end zone, <laughs> same place. It's like 10 feet from where he had a football kicked off his I rear end. I remember that play. I remember so that was... he has officially redeemed himself yeah. in a, in a totally redeemed in very positive way. <laughs> That's right. Uh, undeniable is the next one. That was Joshua Patrick Allen, QB1. The offense was moving the ball in this game. 473 total yards of offense, but that doesn't mean anything if you don't have points to go along with it. With 10 minutes to go in the third quarter, this team had 305 total yards of offense and just seven points. And then the alien, the monster, the wicked athlete, whatever you want to call Josh Allen, awoke in the second half of the game and started to turn things around. Those yards started to turn into points. I think about that third and 13 in the fourth quarter with just over three minutes to go in the game. Josh Allen scrambles for 15 yards, gets a first down, 
continues to keep the drive alive. He was hitting his receivers, too. A couple of big plays, too, on that uh, touchdown to Dawson Knox. You had two plays go over 20 yards to Kincaid and Shakir uh, for the Bills to take the lead with that Dawson Knox touchdown. And when things are tight and maybe not looking the brightest, that's when Josh Allen prevails. That's the quarterback that every NFL fan wants on their team when you have to battle for a win. There wasn't just one moment where I was wondering, you know, is he going to turn it up a notch? Is, right. is he going to come alive? What, what's going to happen here? Can he make it happen? I was just thinking, when? When is Josh Allen going to wake up and turn things around for this team? Because he's done it so many times. That's the guy I want in the game leading things for this team when they need to get points to win the game. Yeah, he runs on that. That, that play we've, we've been talking about, You know, Christian Wilkins is chasing him down and at one point is on his back. Uh, and Josh has got two DB. I mean, there's three guys around him. He's yeah. five yards. We've been talking about he's five yards short. If any other quarterback makes that play, it is off the charts. Oh, it's it, on loop. It, it's on loop, and it's catapulted to the top of everybody's conversation. Right here, Christian Wilkins gets his back at two guys in front of him, and they just absolutely olay him. Yeah, Cater Kohu did the olay. They like, want no part of that guy. <laughs> not want any um, part of that. Josh, and I don't. We've had this conversation. I get it. If Josh Allen doesn't win the MVP in a year like this, he'll never win it. Forty-four total touchdowns. He'll never win it. Too shy uh, of his career high. You look back and you look into the nuts and bolts of why this season is, was a success for Buffalo. Um, he's the reason. Uh, he people just can't get past the turnovers, they, and yeah. they never will. And it will cost him MVP votes. Yeah, right, wrong, or indifferent. Yeah, and it is and wrong in my it'll opinion. It'll stand in the way of people. People get blinded by that, and I look. I understand why. You, you can statistically prove in an argument that turnovers are the biggest inhibitor to winning football games. The amazing thing is this guy wins in spite of it. I mean, yeah. Maddie gave me a stat last week that in, what was it? They're a minus twelve. Mm-hmm. In in primetime prime games, games. they're a minus 12, and their right. record is 14 in the and 7. Season. And now they were minus last night. They were minus 1. So now they're minus 13 in primetime games, and they're 15 and 7. Yeah, He's six touchdowns ahead of the second-place guy, which is who He is, is the MVP. He's the most valuable um, player. He turns it around for this team. They're 11-2 and two against the Miami Dolphins, and in every single game, he's had multiple touchdown performances. Yes. Nobody else in the NFL it's, has done that. I'll say it's this, too. At least two touchdown it, passes now in 13 straight games against the Dolphins, which is a league record in, against one opponent. In the... Uh, yeah, in, in the run-up to this, um, Josh has been the guy that, that drives everything. And certainly it's a, it's a spectrum of good and bad plays. That's the experience. But, but, the, but the plays that he makes that are far beyond anything any other quarterback is doing in the league, the consistency, and you look at the losses the Bills took, Josh Allen gave the Bills the lead. In four of the six losses, he gave the Bills the lead in the last two minutes. Mm-hmm. Either by a fourth quarter touchdown, uh, you know, touchdown or field goal drive, or you know, rushing for it, um, he d- orchestrated a lead for his team in four of the, their six losses this year. In the last two minutes of the game, right, and, the and that's then the defense was in early on in the year when they were losing these games because they were trying to recalibrate defensively. They couldn't get it. You know what I mean? Right. And the difference now is the defense is the closing defense is out closing games, games out, yeah. uh, and had to do it like last, last night, night, even when they couldn't hang on to the ball to close it out. All right. So next up, the heating up award. Heating up. 
Stephon Diggs had eight targets, seven catches, 87 yards. I'm calling it right now. The connection is heating up. Last week we heard from Joe Brady, Josh Allen, and Sean McDermott about how Stephon Diggs is such a difference maker in the big games and that they need to get him the ball. Well, they did that last night, and I love how they connected on that deep ball. Yes, it could have been two. Yes, that one could have been a touchdown, but we're working up to that. Maybe we get that on Sunday afternoon against the Steelers. Oh, I, feel good about I that. love to see these guys getting back to their routine. Stefan Diggs, such a difference maker for this one. Whether he's catching balls or not, you have to account for Stefan Diggs when he is on the field. That catch, that big play catch that he had last night, incredible catch being able to pull that ball in when you had a, a a defensive player just blanket you. Nobody else in the NFL can do that. There's very few that can do that, and I cannot wait to see what these two have in store yeah. come Sunday afternoon. That's what, that's what the receivers in the game call the hands catch because it's all hands there. Yeah. You're using your body to position yourself, but if you think about his adjustment to the ball there, that's great deep ball tracking. Right. Then it's working around the DB because he had to work around him to even make a play on the ball. And then he positions his body in such a way where he can get two hands on it while he's sliding down the field at full speed. Mm -hmm. The degree of difficulty on that catch, I think, is underappreciated because this is elite level stuff here, and he makes it look easy. I mean, it's downright scary, um, the elitism of this play. Next, I mean, it really is. Next it's, Gen Stats had it at 25.1% chance that that catch would have happened. Yeah. But with him on the field, it goes up to mm -hmm. about 65 to 70 percent because he's Stefan Diggs. That, I mean, that, that's why you have an elite receiver like that, to make unlikely plays likely. And that's what he did there, right. without any question. Uh, what do we got next? Unsung, Unsung heroes. heroes. I like this one. Yep. How about the guys who had to step up in the absence of others last night? Gabe Davis goes out. Tyrell Dodson, Ty Johnson, Deion Dawkins, Rasul Douglas all come out at points in this game. Balen Specter steps up. Dane Jackson steps up. The other receivers step up. Brian Vandemark even has to come in. This offensive line was used to having the same five guys up until that moment last night. And... They didn't miss a beat when the backups came in. Balen Specter had some huge tackles for this team. Dane Jackson was great in coverage. You're playing for an AFC East title. You want your best guys out there. And they had to go with the next man up mentality quite a few times last night. And it didn't matter because those guys were up for the challenge. They were ready for the moment. And that's why they're the unsung heroes in yeah, this one. I, think, I thought that was the personality. When you think back about this game, that's what's going to stand out as you get further and further away from how many guys contributed who hadn't had a chance to contribute that much during the regular season in, in a game that, that meant everything. Yeah, and, and a good coaching decision, too, by Sean McDermott because when one of the two linebackers has left the lineup, Dotson or Bernard, it's often been Dorian Williams, the rookie, stepping in. Mm -hmm. But that's a recognition by your coach as to what kind of game is being played and what we have to stop right now. Right. At the time when Spectre came into the game, they had to stop the run game. Right. The run game was gashing them. 
he chose the better run defender that he had at his disposal at linebacker rather than the better pass coverage defender, which is Dorian Williams, put Spectre into the game, and the guy is lighting people up right from the jump. <laughs> yeah, Spectre was really good in he the He was the game. right guy for right what guy they needed the right at time. that time. No question about it. It was, um, it, was, it was right on time, right on point. And we knew that about Spectre. When he came out of Clemson, Spectre was tackling everything. Yeah. yeah. And, that's, and that's what he did last night. It was a great call. It was a great in-game adjustment by the Bills coaching staff. And, and like we said, uh, these unsung hero guys came through in, um, in, with flying colors. Last one was the assist. Well, no, we got the best locker yeah, room moment first. Yeah, we got the best locker room moment first. I, I got to talk about this yeah. one. There were so many great moments that came out of the locker room celebrations, whether it was on the field or in the locker room after the victory, after becoming the AFC East champs for four straight seasons. My favorite moment, though, was Terry Pagula, the Bills owner, in the locker room with his phone <laughs> out, recording the players celebrating. It was a total proud dad moment, soaking it all up. Oh, he's beaming. <laughs> he is he's so totally happy. Beaming. His he's head is bobbing to the music as he's watching these guys dance and celebrate. And and shout out to Terry Pagula and the Pagulas and, and what they have done to make it possible for the Bills to win the AFC East in four straight seasons. A lot of this is because of them, is because of the buy-in to this team, the buy-in to Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean saying, I I'll do whatever you guys need me to do for you to build a roster, for you to have the facilities that you need to be able to make a run here. All I'm going to say is his kids, Kelly, Jesse, and Matt, are going to be supremely proud of their dad for working the video on that phone. (laughs) Because that is – that's a big step for Mr. Pagula. He's, you know, like he's – he was really happy to get that thing going, and his, we his talk, kids are going to be proud of it. We him. talk about the NFL all day, every day, Brownie and I, and we we bring things up about other franchises and how it's been going and stuff. Terry and Kim, it's like 10 years they've had the, the club. Um, and now we've had this stretch. Yeah, it'll be 10 years in October. Let me just tell you something. The wow. success of every franchise, no matter what, is, it starts at the top. And Kim and Terry have done a phenomenal job hiring the right people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's obviously – and I've had – other owners around the NFL say this when they acquired teams that I've talked to them personally and they said, listen, they, they throw the keys of the building at you and say, Hey, good luck. There's no, there's no vision. Uh, vision. There's no like yeah. how to, how to run a franchise. Uh, and football's a unique industry. So Kerry and Tim, after a quick learning curve, they get in here and they hire, you know, after the Rex Ryan incident, and they, and they kind of get swept up in that. And they say, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I'll say the best thing they ever did when it wasn't going well, they pulled the plug now. They did not, like, give it another year. It was like, no. They hired Brandon. They hired, they hired Sean, hired Brandon, and they have supported them and given them everything they've needed to be successful. It starts at some. the very top. Uh, and then, then some, so kudos to them. And, mm-hmm. and Sean and Brandon will tell you the same thing. Um, when you go to other teams and you see, and I did it for 20 years with CBS, you yeah. go around these other franchises, it's not right at the top. Um, and you can tell, and you can tell, uh, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, and here in Buffalo, they, they, uh, it's right at the top. All right. And now we're ready. For the final award, the assist with a capital A. 
with a capital A. It's going to Bills Mafia for showing up in Miami. At times, it sounded like a home game out there. There's a sideline view of the Deontay Hardy punter turn touchdown, and the stands looked like a complete and total 50-50 split. And in that moment, it surely sounded like a home game. And then Bills Mafia, if you're watching on MSG Network right now, they show up at like 4.45 in the morning to help celebrate this AFC East title as the team is getting off the plane. No other fan base in the universe would do this. Bills Mafia, that is why you are incredible. I cannot wait to see what you have in store for Sunday. Yeah, and it wasn't just 50 people there at 5 in the morning this morning. Hundreds. I mean, it was like a good 300, maybe 400 people out there. And uh, the funniest thing was, as the players are leaving in their vehicles, all they're looking for is a honk of the horn. And so (laughs) the players were obliging. So as soon as somebody hit the horn, it was like, like the crowd level, the, the cheering went even louder. They just wanted a couple of honks. I think Josh rolled his window down on Amazing. the passenger side and was waving to them. And you could hear there were people going, oh, my God, Josh Allen. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> he gave them a wave. Like they were, you know, and when you're, when you're waiting out there in the cold at 5 in the morning on a Monday and you got work, you know, in a few hours, oh my you God. appreciate that stuff. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's Chris Brown. No, nobody was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're not in the same parking yeah, lot as the players, so it's a, little bit it's a little bit different. So, yes, do not put me in that in that. Tasker was the lone member in the other parking lot. He <laughs> no, brought a sign no. for you. It's, welcome home, yeah, Brownie. No, Maddie, Way no, to get the Ma- dub. Ma- yeah, Maddie and I were on the air after the pros That's game, right. and then we, we taped Bills tonight at the same time. So we're out of, we, we get out of here about 1.45 a.m. Yep. And uh, after the post game, and it, we got a whole crew that comes in and does all this. And these 820 games are like, oh, please. Oh, 1 o'clock was the best gift any of us could have been given. Right. Oh, yeah. On Sunday. Yeah. That is a gift. Yeah. And that is. And I take it with open arms and (laughs) supreme appreciation. Right. I I silently just like. Supreme appreciation. Just silently said, oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you, NFL. Thank you, Networks. 1 p.m. on a Sunday. Let's go. God bless. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right. So those are the Maddie Awards presented by Energy Mark. Uh, Just for an update on what's going to be coming down the pike on buffalobills.com, you folks over there will have. Sean McDermott updates from his press conference this afternoon, as well as the coordinators, Mm -hmm. right? Four o'clock. We'll have an update this afternoon. Hopefully we'll hear status of some of the players that came out of last night's game. Hopefully those guys are healing up and feeling better. Sunday definitely helps instead of a Saturday game. Uh, And then we'll have top storylines coming out on Wednesday morning. I'll be in charge of that, so I'll be working on that already. Crunching the numbers, looking at the stats uh, as we start to get ready for the Steelers wildcard weekend matchup. Yeah. It'll be great as we uh, prepare to turn the page tomorrow and get ready for the Pittsburgh Steelers who are coming in here after a win over Baltimore to qualify for the postseason. Break time for us here, but we're right back to the phone calls when we come back. So those of you holding at 803-0550, we will get to you in the next segment here on a Buffalo Victory Monday on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to a Buffalo Victory Monday. AFC East champs for the fourth consecutive season. That's happened two other times in Bill's history, back in the AFL days, 1963 to 1966, and during Steve's era, 1988 to 1991. We get back to the phones where we've had some people waiting patiently. We want to get to each and every one of you. We go to Sandra in Rochester next. What do you got for us, Sandra? 
Hello, guys. How are you? We're great. Um, I want to apologize for you, uh, to you from last week, the Bills, Auntie. I, I didn't even say to you guys thank you for the call, but the game was, it was exciting. It was a nail-biter. It was wonderful. It was, oh, my God. But can I just say this? Last year, to me, the bills were up and down since last season. When the shooting happened, then the snowstorm, then the bills had to play an away game and a home game in Detroit, and then DeMar Hamlin. Then this year, up and down, I'm surprised the bills are where they are. I mean, think about it. I'm not surprised, but... It's just a wonder that they're where they are now. That shows the resilience, the, the, just the gut, the grind. These guys have, I mean, they, they're determined. And what's for you is for you. And I know we all have said, yeah, they got to be this, they got to do that, and they got to do that. But they're going to do this. I believe, not just, you know, because I've been with the Bills for 32 years, and, you know, they're my, they're my team. I'm down with them. They are going to knock the doors down and win the whole thing. They're just going to do the thing. Thank you guys for taking my call. All Thank right, you. Sandra. Love the positivity Thanks, on a Monday. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, when you see your team pull through for you in a tight spot, hope springs eternal. And... You know, they had to push a boulder up a mountain to even be in contention to win the division. They get there, and they finish the job. So I understand why you are resolutely positive. The second season, it's a blank slate. You get to start over. There's no mountain. There's a different mountain you have to climb. It's not the same one you just climbed to get there. It's a whole different mountain, and the competition is even better. So that is the challenge, but... uh, This team, as battle-tested as they are and as resourceful as they have been, understandably gives a lot of people a lot of optimism and hope that they can make a deep playoff run here in the postseason. Let's uh, go back to the phones and to Joe in Tonawanda next. What do you got for us, Joe? Hi there, Steve, and hi there, Chris. I just am a long-time listener, first-time caller. I won't take up too much of your time here, but I have one question for you to start. Three hours and 31 minutes. Are you guys familiar with what, what that signifies? No. Three hours and 31 minutes, Steve. That's the amount of time it takes you to drive from Orchard Park to Canton. And you better get familiar with that drive, Steve, because I've been watching <laughs> since the War Memorial days, and I remember when they brought in the five foot nine hundred eighty pound soaking wet kid from Houston Midway in '86 okay. with a heart the size of Texas. You're going there, Steve. Yeah, you got, you me. You got there. me with that one, Joe. That's a good one. Okay, <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Okay, nice reveal. I love that. Second. Oh yeah, it's the least I can do, Steve. And my second point, Coach McDermott. His second half coaching performance, he's coaching a hurt defense. He pitches a shutout. He went for it on every fourth down, and he might not be an orator like you had in Marv Levy. He might not be a former player like Lou Saban, but he is a man of faith, and he's a man of discipline. He is a good man. In the national media, they're going to try to drag him. That Weisenheimer reporter, he can try to take him down a peg, but he's our coach. There's no one else I would want leading that locker room, and I guarantee the players are with me. The quill is mightier than the sword. 
But in this case, the coach is mightier than the quill. Go Bills, go McDermott, and Steve, I can't wait to take that drive down with you to Canton someday. All right, Joe, for a first-time caller, that was a heck of okay. a performance. Yeah, we well, must have rehearsed that. I, I, it sounded off the cuff to me. It sounded yeah. pretty genuine. He Very wasn't nice. reading. Yeah. He wasn't reading. Yeah, speaking well, from the heart I appreciate heart it. That's, that's very nice. I yeah. appreciate it. I like that. Three hours and 31 minutes. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah. We go to Kevin in Hamburg next. What do you got for us, Kevin? Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Sure thing, guy. Uh, I want to bring up, thank God, our two things. First, our special teams, thank goodness, did something big and not blundered. Like last week, the kickoff return that could have blown it for us, you know, throw the whole game into chaos. And then the week before, the Chargers hardy fumbled on a punt return. They could have blown that. So thank God our special teams came through with a big one, not a, not a blunder. But can I bring up uh, something honest with you guys? Yeah, let it um, I worry about time management. Sometimes, as good as McDermott is, he still makes some time management blunders. And I'm sure you're going to hear this from callers today or in the future, that first half at the end of the first half, calling that wrong timeout at the wrong time instead of spiking the ball somewhere here and there and not getting up and getting down, that losing that timeout may got away with it now, but our opponents in the future, their coaches like Tomlin, they don't make those blunders as much sometimes as even McDermott does. And those blunders, those time management blunders or non-blunders quadruplify in the playoffs and that'd be horrible if something happened. They made the wrong timeout at the wrong time, and we got knocked out because of the playoff because of something like that. I'm not saying it'll happen with Pittsburgh or whatever, and we got knocked out of the playoff, not by a fumble or a pick or whatever, but a time management blunder and have to live with that for the next seven months. You know, one time in, one timeout. Yeah. And I, right. Well, here's the thing. I, I, I'll say this. Um, he, uh, You're right. Um he shows he showed great aggression in going for it on the fourth downs. Even the one last one that would have iced the game, they didn't get up by a half yard. They still, you know, the defense shut it out. I, here's what I like about all the stuff that he did that you don't. I like a coach, and this is not something he's always done. I like a coach who gives it to his players to win or lose. Um, that's not what happened when in the 13 second game. You know, they tried to outcoach and play safe and not give his players a chance to win it. They gave him a chance not – you know what I mean? They backed clear off and they gave up the yardage. They gave him the field goal in the 13-second game. And now, I'm saying, not saying it works every time, but don't think it doesn't play really well in the locker room and the players don't notice the coach put it on them. Yeah, I, listen, I trust you to go out and play defense. I trust yeah. you to go out and stick it in the end zone and the last couple of plays of the half, we're going to go. Um, I I – think that plays extremely well when the players go, hey, that wasn't a coach. He trusted us to do it. We got to do it. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll say this too. There should have been a penalty called on the on the yes. goal line play. So Josh is under a blitz. He's got to get rid of the ball and make a split-second decision. It's, it's hard in that moment. I'm not trying to be an apologist, but I'm just speaking facts here. It's hard in that moment to make a call from 23 yards away on whether to throw it to Ty Johnson, who is open, making an in-cut, and has a chance to get over the goal line. But a targeting penalty should have been called there. It should have been first and goal at the one-yard line. Um, so, you know, you can it, – it's a valid point, Kevin. You could have held on to the timeout, spiked it, and tried to get down the field 
that way, save the timeout for that very instance where he gets stopped at the one-yard line penalty or not, and now you can call your timeout, and you had two seconds left. You either go for it to try to score from the one-inch line, which I think they would have done, um, or in a more conservative approach, kick the field goal and get into the locker room with points. So, yeah, it's valid. Um, I I think you can argue both ways because to Steve's point, you're there. You're at the goal line. You don't want to rely on officials to call a penalty for you, but you're putting it in the hands of your players. And I don't think the players will ever fault you for calling a timeout earlier rather than later and saying, go get the touchdown for us. Yeah, and I uh, certainly um, there's a lot in it. And when things don't work out, you think – and even when they do work out, like they did yesterday ultimately, there's always things that could have gone better. It's never as good as it looks, never as bad as it looks. It's, it's a real true statement about what it's like to study these games on film. Uh, it's never, you're never as good as you think, you're never as dominant as you think, and you're never uh, as bad as it looks when you do get pounded. And it comes down to studying stuff like what we're talking about. Yeah, it could have gone better for the Bills in certain situations. They could have made better decisions. Josh um, could have taken a quick flat route on a play when they had, a, had to punt it away. Um, that's always there, but for the most part, I don't want to. I don't want to go overboard and say, "Hey, everything's different now," because I don't know if it is. But in these situations, we've seen over the la- this this run, Sean McDermott has consistently put it in the hands of his players. That fourth and half a yard last night to get it that they didn't get was a. a remember too, they tried to get him to jump off sides. Remember. Like, we always say, ah, they're not going to do that. What are you doing? Not, you know, nobody ever goes for that. Well, last night they did, and they snapped it. Um, you know, they're, they learn from this stuff. Sean McDermott has learned from it. And I, I have seen a couple of instances this year where Sean McDermott seems to be doing some things, making some coaching decisions that I don't know that he would have made four years ago or before the 13-second game, you know, or, after, or since the 13-second game. And I'll tell you right now, you can bank on this as Coach McDermott and his staff are reviewing the film of the game now and probably wrapping it up around this time. I will, I will bet you any amount of money that he is reviewing his usage of the timeouts at the end of the first half, second half, and is going through it with a fine-tooth comb because that's who he is. And he doesn't just preach – self-improvement every day to his players. Just try to be 1% better the next day. He practices that. So if he feels and maybe even agrees with you, Kevin, he is going to take that, make a note of it, and be better the next time. Um, That's just how he operates and functions in his daily life and in his work life. So you better believe he's going to be reviewing that probably with a fine-tooth comb to a greater degree than maybe even you did in reviewing it. Uh, let's squeeze in a call here before the break. We go to Ryan in Akron. What do you got for us, Ryan? He was like, I don't see if he can get me through. Ryan, you're up. Hey, Ryan, how you guys doing? They're all, hey, hey, guys. Sorry yeah. you got me flustered here. That's okay. Uh, what do you got? I just wanted to talk to you guys about uh, James Cook dropping wide-open passes. I mean, I know you can't be perfect, but it seems like it's been five times this year. Uh, he's been wide open going towards the end zone and just completely missed the pass. Yeah, it's been, his it's eyes been, off it too early. 
It's been three. I think it's been two or three that he dropped. The one early on, I don't know what it was against the, the Eagles. Eagles. Yep. He dropped that TD. He dropped the one last night in Miami that in would the have been zone. there. And there's been one or two. And then there's there's been one or two he caught uh, that didn't go for a touchdown. Caught but the one on the Cowboys plays, that the Cowboys. went for a TD. Uh, yeah. I'm with you, and we have said it time and time again, and one of the things about last night, Josh had eight incompletions. Nobody in the, on the whole team had more than one, and the one was the deep ball to Steph Diggs for him. That was his incompletion. That was an overthrow. And that was an overthrow by Josh. But, yeah, it's, an, it's a thing. Uh, James Cook has dropped some touchdowns for himself. Um, last night didn't go unnoticed by me, and I know it probably didn't go unnoticed no. by Brownie as well. Um, yeah. It's, only, it's all well and good when you win the game, yeah. but that stuff adds up. Yeah, and you want to execute. And drops were a problem last week against the Patriots. They tried to focus on it. They were better yesterday collectively. But, yeah, your point's valid. Facts are facts. Um, drops are drops. And, and, don't, and here's the only thing that I thought about that play, and my angle wasn't great on it, so I could be completely off the mark on this. But the trajectory of the pass to Cook with the defender and where he was positioned – it made me think, did the ball disappear behind the defender's helmet for a split second, and did he lose it? I'm not trying to be an apologist for James Cook. I'm just openly wondering because I couldn't tell from my angle on the play. But here's the thing, too. I, and Last night will only – it's probably happened already, but last night it's going to bring it up and they're going to – when those guys sit down and watch the film, all those other drops are going to come up in that conversation. I mean, he's like, man – I mean, think about James Cook. He'd have like he'd have over sixteen hundred yards, of yeah, total yards yeah. from scrimmage. He'd have a handful have of more. Anyway. He'd have at least a couple more touchdowns in big moments. And think about where that would put James Cook in the conversation with running backs this year and how what kind of seasons they had. That he would elevate. He's sitting there thinking, "Man, what am I?" He's the one that's oh, going to beating himself up. He's beating sure. himself up, and the conversation. His teammates too, Latavius Murray. Uh, Leonard Fournette, Ty John, they're all in that conversation. Go, bro, you got to catch those, you know? So don't think that goes unnoticed when he comes back and says, you had this one, you had the Dallas one, you had the Eagles one, uh, and there was, it seems like there was one even earlier in the season, too. So he knows, and that doesn't go unnoticed by these players. They watch this stuff. They got to watch themselves like over and over. The guy, <laughs> depending on who the coach is, who's got the clicker, oh, they run that thing back like 15 times. Like, dude. Like, what do you, you know, what were you, you know, why did you think, where were your eyes? Where the ball did the ball dis? And, and, and Cook will be on. He says, yeah, like for to Brownie's point, yeah, yeah, disappeared for a minute behind his, you know, right behind his head. I couldn't pick, you know, it, there's no excuse. He'll be like, I gotta, he's bumming. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, those are balls that you gotta catch. And, and you can bet that that's gonna be one of the things in, in his exit interviews when they happen, hopefully, you know, in late February. He's gonna say, listen, you gotta catch it. You had, yeah. you had so many opportunities. Break time for us here. More of your phone calls when we come back on a Buffalo Victory Monday. One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All blood donors with Connect Life in January will receive an exclusive Buffalo Bills winter hat. Connect Life has blood drives located across western New York to make donating easy for everyone. Be part of our life-saving team and donate blood with Connect Life. Visit connectlifegiveblood.org to make your 
appointment today. Back to the phones we go. And leading us off in this segment, Butch on the east side. What do you got, Butch? My brothers, my brothers, thanks so much for taking my call. I love each and one of y'all, and I love everybody out there. First of all, I'm not calling on the negative today. I'm calling on the positive. I'm just happy, and I'm going to be honest. Don't laugh, don't laugh at me. We didn't win the Super Bowl, but I did shed tears yesterday. <laughs> so all the listeners that always hear me all the time, yes, I did shed tears, along with my son who just got back from Kuwait, and he's down in Alabama, and we both together were so ecstatic and excited, and I want to just say congratulations to the team, the organization, to all the players. You know, it, it was a journey. You got to believe inside the organization. You got to believe on your team, and I just thank them for that. I thank them for believing. But out right now, we're on the four game. We're on the four game window now. One at a time. Let's knock them down. But I will say this because I told I told my friend who answered the phone, and thank you so much for answer the phone, my friend. I love you, my brother. Is that um, I'm calling about getting a running game going in the playoffs more? This is run football a little more. Just dominate the clock. Let's go a little no huddle, get the tempo going, and let's go get that chip on behalf of Steve Tasker, Jim Kelly, and all the rest of them. Josh Allen, I hope you're listening. I need you to go bring that trophy home, not just for us as fans in the city of Buffalo, but I need you to bring it home for the Tasker family and everybody else because they lost four straight and everybody laughed at them. So when you bring this one home, you need to bring it for us, but you bring it home for Jim and all the rest of the guys. And I mean that sincerely. And I love you, but don't laugh because I was crying, guys. That's okay, man. Thanks, That's okay. Coach. It's okay. Showing you. the emotion is uh, strength, in I'll my opinion. This. I'll, I'll say this, too. And I know there's some of that because fans do this. You know, fans kind of equate it to, you know, the history of the team. And, you know, those old old guys like me, Jim Thurm, Bruce, Andre, all the guys that, you know, went – there were like you know, 22 guys on that team that went to all, all four. All four, yeah. But there was, you know, a, you know 100 who went to at least one of them with the team and a bunch of coaches and all that, uh, you know, they don't, uh, I appreciate it, but they don't owe us anything. We're in, but, and don't make any mistake. We are all behind them. All the old guys, all the, you know, the old players that all the drought players, and they're all in it with this team. They all want it for them. They all want it for the fans, but <clears throat> these players on this team, you know they're the ones that earn it. They get it for themselves. It's their lives. It's their careers. It's their team. Um, we're happy to ride along with them, and we are all about it. Uh, but and it's for them. Not it's it's for all of the it, the Bills fans are part of it. But it's for those guys in that locker room and for the pain and the suffering and the sacrifices they all made in their own lives. And you can see it on buffalobills.com. In case you didn't catch it on social last night, our. Uh, outstanding video team was obviously in the locker room last night catching most of the celebration and then when Josh broke them down he said I'm never going to say no to this shirt and this hat meaning the division championship shirts and hats he said but that's just job one so we got another job to take care of and it starts with the first game which is this Sunday at one but he said Super Bowl so you don't have to remind Josh of what they're gunning for he's he is all too aware all too aware. Got to take a break here, though. Hour number three will begin with my broadcast partner, Eric Wood, who joins us every Monday. He will do that as we begin hour number three to give us his thoughts on a magical night in Miami Gardens, Florida, where the Bills nip the Dolphins at the wire 
and take their fourth straight division title last night. Eric Wood coming your way next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. Here we are, hour number three on a Buffalo Victory Monday as the Bills are playoff bound as the number two seed in the AFC. They'll be hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers 1 p.m. on Sunday at Highmark Stadium. And here to join us to talk about Buffalo nipping the Dolphins at the end of the season for the division title is my broadcast partner, Eric Wood, former Bills center and host of the Centered on Buffalo podcast. All right, Eric, you've had an overnight to sleep on it. Um, maybe your biggest takeaway from the performance yesterday to win the division. I feel like it's almost a dichotomy of this season, full of ups and downs that ends up with a great result. It'll end up as the AFC East chance after this roller coaster of a season. And yesterday was a roller coaster of a game. And I'll say, the amount of growth that we've seen from this team, especially in these last three weeks, getting a couple ugly wins these last couple weeks, which they were losing those early in the season, and then it just seemed like nothing was going their way. And, Chris, I hate to admit it, but we were talking during one of the TV timeouts in the third quarter that it just feels like this is a Bills loss coming. We've seen this before, and it just doesn't seem like today's going to be their day. There's been too many turnovers. They can't get the ball in the end zone. Uh, They're not – you know, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. They get stopped right before the end of the half. And look, you know, you had your opportunity to probably go up a couple scores and you blew it. But instead, this group that has just found a tremendous amount of resiliency as soon as their backs were completely against the wall at six and six has come together. And, you know, each week it's been different people stepping up, different sides of the ball stepping up. Yesterday, it's the special teams, which has been, I don't want to say a weakness, for a lot of this season, but definitely not a true strength in the return game, the punt game, whatever it may be. And so yesterday, Deontay Hardy, he gives them that spark uh, in the second half to tie the game up at 14. But to me, there's there's a ton of positives um, that we can get into coming from this game. But when you look at the way the defense played in the second half, I mean, it was hard. I, I was I, I felt bad for you, Chris, on the call. Uh, trying to do play-by-play with that Miami offense at times because there was so much motion and misdirection, especially in the backfield. It was hard to tell who even had the ball, much less if you're playing five yards off the ball as a linebacker and you have someone as fast as Dave, Devin Achan, you know, running right past you. And so the way they adjusted in the second half, Mike McDaniel after the game said, look, they played more single high than we're used to seeing. People respect our speed so much. A lot of times you like to keep those safeties back well. They give up over 100 yards on the ground in the first half and they only give up seven in the second half because they completely attacked 
that Dolphins run game. I thought that was a phenomenal adjustment. That does seem like the kind of theme around this game and this win is that so many guys came off the bench, you know, everybody from Ryan Vandermark to Balen Specter to every, and everybody in between. And plus, you got guys like Hardy who's been up and, and active and making plays uh, for the club as well. Um, it just seemed like all 53 guys, you know, were kind of in this win, which is kind of where you want to be headed in the playoffs. I don't know how much you can transpose going forward, but certainly we talked about it even coming into the Miami game. This is a team that has won in different ways throughout this little streak they've been on these last five games. They've, they've won with a running game against Dallas. They've thrown it. They've done it with turnovers, with defense. Um, how much can you – you know, now what, what does that, how does that change the view of this Bills team going into the playoffs now that you've had this little streak? Certainly they haven't been massive blowouts, although the Dallas game stands out. They just, you know, kind of been finding different ways to get it done. Yeah, well, they, they might be the hottest team in football right now. They have multiple ways that they could win, and they sustained that rash of injuries, kind of uh, middle part of the season, uh, maybe just, you know, before the middle part of the season. They sustained those injuries, especially on the defensive side of the football, and they built tremendous depth through the draft over the years through free agency. And look, they didn't have a ton of money to spend in free agency last year. So you go in, you bring in an excellent guard and Connor McGovern, who's been steady all year. Taylor Rapp, especially because of Matt Milano going out, has had to play a major role on this defense throughout the season in the dime package. Well, then he gains all that experience. And he's the one that makes back-to-back plays at the end of the game with the pass deflection and then the interception. You've had guys like Shakir that has gotten valuable experience this year, and he's able to step in when and take some of Gabe Davis's uh, uh, share of the catches. Uh, a Trent Sherfield, who you pick up in free agency uh, last year, he steps up in the game yesterday against his former team, Ryan Vandemark, who they've been grooming. He's able to come in for a series on the game-winning uh, drive that puts him ahead in the game. Puda Ford, he gets the block on the punt return. The final one on the punter, I didn't like the punter's chances. I didn't like Bailey's chances of bringing down Hardy anyways, but Puna Ford makes a block on him, which at the time, all I was thinking was don't crush him. Like, just get in his way, because don't get an unnecessary penalty in this instance. Uh, you know, trying to give a big shot on the punter, but you know, you and, and we could keep running through it, but Balen Spector steps in you have a guy like Dane Jackson who's able to fill in for Rasul Douglas, and Dane Jackson's got tremendous experience. And look, this roster that Sean and Brandon have built, um, it's 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 showing its value right now in the way that they're able to sustain injuries throughout the season and then even now when they come in bunches during a game. So knowing, I don't know, this iteration, this playoff iteration of, of this Bills team, Eric, is far different from the one – you know, we saw in 2020 or 2021 where there was an outright juggernaut offense that was among the best in football, and it was like, try to stop us. Now this seems like a team that is more of a Swiss Army knife. Um, they can win with defense and close out games. They can win with offense different styles. They can run the ball down your throat if you give them the opportunity, and they can deliver big plays like they did last night. Five of their biggest plays from scrimmage were all longer than any of the Dolphins' big plays. Uh, And that's the number one passing team in football that you did that to. When you have these diversified means by which you can win a football game, what does that do for a team's mental resolve in the playoffs? 
Yeah, your biggest fear heading into the playoffs, especially as hot as the Bills are right now, and you certainly feel like they have as good of a shot to win the Super Bowl as anybody, your fear would be if all of our eggs are in one basket. Let's say all of our eggs are, uh, all of our eggs are in on the passing game and we catch some terrible weather or the pass protection or Josh uh, doesn't have his best game, well, now you're eliminated. Well, now if the run game's not there, Maybe if the passing game's not there, well, this defense has been playing enough, well enough, they could potentially bail you out and you can win in multiple different areas. And it's not even just one guy either. It's not, hey, if, if Diggs doesn't show up, we really aren't going to have any offensive production. We've seen many weeks where it's been different guys stepping up and not just him at the skill positions. And I'll tell you, you know, they have all those big plays yesterday and Josh just barely overthrows Diggs on that deep ball, and that's three weeks. And, I mean, the law of averages say that he's probably going to hit one of those here coming up. And I love that uh, play design. Um, it's, it's you know, formational tendencies. I, I'm assuming told Ramsey, okay, this is probably going to be a comeback or something shorter. And then Ramsey's also very aggressive. And similar to how I talk about Rasul Douglas, and he's willing to take chances – and that's that's Jalen Ramsey. So Stephon Diggs hits him with a little stutter and takes the top off the defense. And I, I love that shot in the moment as well. And so, look, I mean, this this offense has shown incredible balance, especially since Joe Brady has taken over. And it's been fun to watch. Yeah, the interesting part about all these these different facets of the Bills team being highlighted in different wins in different ways. Um, and when you get in the playoffs, it's also about – exploiting the weakness of your opponent. Now, all these teams in the playoffs are going to have fewer and fewer weaknesses and bigger and bigger strengths, but the ability to take advantage of, a, of an opponent's deficiencies is really what the playoffs are all about. You've got to be good enough defensively in the back end to take advantage or in the front end to take advantage and your run game to take advantage and your passing game to take advantage That in, in man-to-man cover, all of that stuff. And it seems to me the Bills have proven – They've got the ability in all of those facets to flex if it comes to that. Yeah, that's extremely well said, Steve. And they have shown that. And then flip it over to the defensive side of the football, especially with injuries, when you look at maybe some of the weaknesses that other teams may take advantage of or maybe where the Bills don't have strength, give Sean McDermott immense amount of credit for really getting more creative schematically on the defensive side of the football than I've ever seen it be throughout his career going back to Carolina or throughout his tenure with the Bills, getting into more dime packages, uh, creating more four-man rushes, but not necessarily just the down four guys. We've seen at times 3D linemen on the field and put a, put a linebacker at the line of scrimmage to spy a quarterback. He's gotten very creative this year where, okay, you don't necessarily have your Hall of Fame pass rusher, Von Miller, at his top to to run that edge. Okay, so how can we get more creative with our pass rush? Okay, Dodson has played extremely well in the run game, but teams may attack him in the pass game. Okay, let's put Jordan Poirier there and bring Taylor Rapp into the game. And it's been, uh, I mean, to me, it's been as impressive as anything with this Bills team is the way Sean McDermott has taken this defense and has them at playing at such a high level against great competition. You know, you look at Dallas and Kansas City and Miami and no one gets over 20 points I mean that's a tremendous job by that defense yeah no question about it they're probably playing the most consistent ball of the entire football team Um, last one I've got for you Eric let's spin it forward a little bit you made a note of this on the broadcast last night 
There was a high run percentage on first down by the Bills offense yesterday. Is there an ability now going forward to maybe play off that tendency, whether it's play action or RPOs or what have you, knowing that they were so heavy on the one side of that ledger on Sunday night? Absolutely. And, and look, I get it. You want to be as balanced as possible. Uh, early in the game on many first downs, they were kind of taking that quick shot to digs. You know, and you made a great point on that, uh, Chris, that they were, you know, attacking that linebacker level. And if you're not going to have Baker in there, well, there's our, there's the weakness we're going to exploit if you're in zone defense. Okay, here's Diggs in the slot. He's going right at him. And so, um, you know, they were doing that early. And then in the second half, really sticking to that ground game on first down. And look, it's it's great. When James Cook on the season averages almost five yards a carry, so you hand it off to him, you think, okay, we're now at second and five. You know, we're in a great position. The whole playbook's open. But when it wasn't there on the ground, and whether that's from – the running backs maybe missing a hole or predictability. I think you make a great point that you can play off of that now and the play action percentage could ramp up, especially if the weather allows for it to this Sunday. Good stuff, Eric's great. I'm glad you traveled home safer. I guess you're still traveling or what's the deal? Are you still staying down there to play golf? What's the story? <laughs> no, no, I got back this morning. Um, we had a funeral. My wife attended a funeral this morning. So, um, I met them at the celebration, uh, so uh, on my way, uh, parked outside of there, and on my way to go pick up my son from school so she can stay uh, at, at the celebration. All right, All right. Good sounds stuff. good, Eric. Good we'll catch you. up with you on Sunday. Thanks for the time. We'll see you up here in Buffalo. <clears throat> yep, looking forward to it, guys. All right, that's Eric Wood joining us as he does every Monday after Bill's games to break it down. And uh, here's a number for you: since Week Ten. The Bills have averaged 34.8 carries per game. It leads the league. Last night, 36. 36. Yeah. So that average may even go up a tick. 36 runs, 40 or 38 passes, and three sacks. Uh, now some of them, some of the runs were obviously scrambles by Josh. Yep. So they are still tilted towards the throw, which you got to be in in the NFL. But 36 carries, 15 of them by Josh. Um, and you know, a lot of them were the you know the tush push and the and the you know the toboggan or whatever you want to call it. the snowplow calling it the snowplow. Uh, I love the fact last night they got into the shotgun on a short yardage and Josh <laughs> just <laughs> tucked it and ran right up the back of Mitch Morris. Oh yeah, uh, for a one yard. Yeah, they spread him out and He's then probably feeling that this just morning. hammered it. Uh, loved Mitch's, it. I mean, I loved it. Uh, it it's. Um, I, I like Joe Brady where he's at. Like last night was a really nice game. Uh, you think about think about it. What we'd be thinking about Joe Brady if Josh hits Diggs on the deep route That's and an if eighty nine yard touchdown and if James Cook catches the corner. I mean, it's a, a it's a different game. And Joe Brady's look. We're looking at him like going, "Wow, we this guy's the awesome." Well, he does, he can't catch and throw, but he called those plays and drew them up, and they were money. So uh, feel good about where they're at. Um, and uh, how things might unfold in the playoffs. We'll see. Let's get back to the phones at 803-0550, the number to get on board as we are asking you for your biggest takeaways from last night's division-clinching win and number 2 seed playoff awarded victory over the Dolphins. And we go to Tom in Lackawanna next. What do you got for us, Tom? Hey, guys. 
Um, you just were talking to E about some of the one point I was bringing up, but um, I understand, you know, develop the running game, but through the whole third quarter, and it seemed until they returned the punt and actually got right back in the game, it was like insanity. You keep trying something and it's not working. Every first down was a run, a run, a run, which was limiting them. They were picking it up on second and third down, but Miami had it diagnosed. They were there, gain of one, gain of two, loss of three. I'm glad that Brady woke up and didn't pull a Dorsey and just stick with his favorite play that wasn't working, but they gotta they got to change that. Sometimes you got to just either uh, draw play or, or something, but you got to do something. You got to pass. I get it, ball. Tom. One of the things about it, though, too, is don't forget, and this is way through the third quarter and all of that, and I know it sounds timid, but it's also part of what football is about. You're in a one-score game. And part of what you want to do is force the other team to at least play honest. And I know that it's frustrating when you get these plays. And like we, we heard about it, you know, a lot, for a lot of times on those bubble screens they throw to the sidelines. They're just not good enough. They don't get enough out of it, that kind of thing. Some of what that does is to make sure the defense is on that. And you, you, you make them prove it time and time again. In a one-score game – you can do that, and that's part of what makes you successful. That failure, I guess, better for lack of a better way to put it, that failure on first down in the run game where you keep doing it is part of the reasons you can stay successful on second and third down and move the sticks because the defense is forced to respect it, and they're forced by alignment, by their keys, by their expectation to think you're going to do it. I'm not saying – and I get what you mean. You're like banging your head against the wall – but you got the Bills had 77 offensive plays in the game. And you it's you run out of new things pretty fast when you get into a game where you're going to run every single play is going to be different than the last one. What you want to do is get your get the defender to do something you know they're going to do. And you only do that by hitting them with something time and time again to make sure you can predict exactly what they're going to do on the next down and the next down and the next down. So there's a little bit of that going on. I'm, I'm positive. And I know it's frustrating for fans to like roll their eyes and say, oh, yeah, they're, they're going to they're line up and they're going to try and get them to go off sides. I know they're going to do it. Okay. That's fine. But you got to make them do it. Right. And I would also say – that don't just look at the offensive play calling in a vacuum. Try to recognize time and score, how the defense is playing, because it all factors into the field position and field position. So at that point in the game, they're running a lot on first down because they've got the lead. That's number one. The defense in the second half is playing lights out. In the fourth quarter they had the lead, but in the third quarter they did not. No. So some of those factors sometimes come into play, which will lean them almost seemingly unnecessarily towards the run game or the pass game, whatever seems to be the flavor of the day for the game plan. So that could be a mitigating factor also, but the, be- the best part about it is being that run heavy will force Pittsburgh in preparation for this game to be honest against Buffalo's run front. Um, 
and play that way, which could set up other things to call off of it, knowing right out of the gate you'll have Pittsburgh playing you honestly to stop the run. That's right. Um, it's It says something about what other teams have to do to prepare for you. And you'll see, the, I've heard Tony Romo talk about this in the booth as well, where you get down close into the red zone and in, down in goal-to-go situations, you'll see teams run a play, and it's like, what are you doing? And he said it. It's about analytics. You, get down, you only have a few goal-to-go situations. And if you throw in a play, it, it could work if you execute it right, if you catch them, but it's an absolute stat buster. It's going to throw off the, the percentages of what you really want to do of what you do well down there. Um, a lot of that goes into what it takes to be a good NFL coordinator and a coaching staff. you got to be aware of how you look statistically to other teams. And on first down, you get in there, and all of a sudden the Bills are 85% run on first down or 90%. It's like, okay, let's go. We're gonna, they're going to they're, they're start getting some things, and all of a sudden Josh doesn't say kill, kill, kill. He just go, he runs the play and he hits Steph Diggs on the deep one. That's the kind of thing you're looking at. Um, you don't mind being predictable when it makes the other team predictable as well, particularly yeah. on offense. We will step aside and take a break here. When we come back, we've got to go around the locker room. We've also got to crack open the tweet sheet. We have yet to do that to get some of your takeaways there from the Bills' 21-14 win over the Dolphins to take the division title. We will do all of that when we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills football. All right, back here on One Bills Live, Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And uh, we want to get around the locker room here as we have yet to have a chance to do that. So we will take the opportunity to do that now around the locker room presented by Connect Life, your blood and organ donor network. And we begin with head coach Sean McDermott talking about the second half bounce back by his team in the win over the Dolphins. It wasn't a good first half. We didn't play our style of football. Uh, I didn't coach well enough in the first half. And then second half, we, we came around. And started to get get our feet underneath of us a little bit there. So um, sparked by Deontay Hardy's punt return, but special teams um, were on it tonight, which was good to see. And then Josh and his leadership, and you could just tell his will to win. Um, he was not going to be denied, and um, that's who he is. And then the defense uh, really stood up in the second half, made some adjustments, and, and those guys um, they came back and reset in the second half, and and then the big. The big takeaway at the end by uh, T-Rap, um, great play. Yeah, came together in the second half for sure. Josh Allen talked about some of those players who had to come in and step up to beat the Dolphins on Sunday night. It says a lot about the depth that we have, but it, it talks a lot about the type of character that we have in this locker room, guys that haven't been asked to do a whole lot um, and maybe at times – being frustrated or not happy with you know the role that they have on this team, but not not complaining, not getting upset, um, finding a way to, to help this team make football play, you know win games and make football plays. And you saw that tonight. I'm, I'm so proud of those two. They've had a lot of up up and downs this year, um, and again, arguably two of the, the biggest plays in the game for were from those guys. So 
they, they've worked extremely hard and they deserve it. That was Josh talking about Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy, who, as we know, have not gotten a ton of snaps on offense. But Sherfield with the big second reaction touchdown catch and Hardy obviously with the punt return. That's something else. Yeah, um, everybody – and, you know, it's crazy to say this, but, you know, for not, not for nothing, but you got a quarterback in Josh, and that's why he's at the podium. I mean, the guy's there every week. Uh, some of the people around the country, were, you know, they, he turns it over too much. We've been talking about him as the MVP of this year. And uh, I just noticed somebody on social said this, and he's right. Uh, that guy was watching the, the game on the phone, trying to stay up when he's a national analyst. It's Marcus Spears. And he was watching the game on his phone. He said, listen, that third, <laughs> the third and 13 run that you and I have been talking about, like nobody's been saying it. He goes, listen, that third and 13 down run by Josh Allen is why you direct deposit $250 bucks into his account. That play right there. Nobody else makes that play. <laughs> yeah. That is why Josh is getting $42 bucks a year. Plays like that. And I, I'm, he's, I, he's probably not going to win the MVP. But after last night, that's what you – most Bills fans say, I'll take him. Yeah. I don't care if he ever wins the MVP. The guy is the guy. He is so far ahead on making on playmaking ability than almost every other quarterback in the league, if not all of them. And I, you'd be hard-pressed to say somebody else made more plays than him this year. I don't think anybody did. Mm. Nobody. Lamar didn't, for sure. Lamar's got like 27 touchdowns, not 47. I don't know exactly what it is. Josh has 44. Finished with 44. He's got 44. Too shy of his own record. Nobody else has 40. Dak has 38. Yeah. He's rushed for 15 touchdowns this year. Yeah, him and Hurts were tied with that total. He tied for the league lead in touchdown passes with Tua, the guy he just strummed last night. Wow. So, uh, Josh is – I mean, I don't have to tell Bill's Mafia this. Josh is the MVP of the year, no matter what they say. Um, for Bills fans, no question. And uh, 426 yards told you that. I'll, I'll, last listen night. To the, I'll listen to the arguments for the other guys. Uh, I know Lamar's a great quarterback, no question about it. It seems to be between him and Josh, or for us, it's between Josh and Lamar, and Lamar and everybody else's pick. Uh, nobody else is in the conversation, in my opinion. Yeah. We uh, wrap up around the locker room with uh, the hero on special teams, Deontay Hardy who described his 96-yard punt return for a touchdown against the Dolphins. I don't know. I blacked out. <laughs> I can't tell you what happened. I just seen a crease. I hit it. And next thing you know, I was free. Was there, was there a little pressure on it when you feel it inside the five-yard line? Thing? I didn't know where I was. I didn't know where I was. I mean, I kind of knew, like, I lined up on a 12. I thought I took, like, two steps back, figured I was catching the ball around the 10. I come back to the side and I'm like, how far was that? It was like 96. I was like, oh, imagine if, imagine if I didn't make a play. Obviously this year you've been kind of limited in your opportunities, um, but to see the reaction on the sideline after that touchdown, you just feel like the most popular guy on the team right there, <laughs> just getting hugs and high fives from everybody. What was that like for you once you kind of got back from blacking out? Yeah, I mean, that just show you like what this team is all about. Um, one, one close group, uh, it's a family here. Um, and you kind of like I was. I always seen it from the outside looking in. When I was in New Orleans, uh, I was looking at this team like I want to be a part of that. You know, so um, to be able to actually be a part of it, it's a surreal feeling. All right, so that is around the locker room presented by Connect Life, your blood and organ donor network. Got to get to the tweet sheet as we've yet to crack that open here on a Buffalo victory Monday. 
And first up there, Tweet Sheet brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. And Ed leads us off and says, ball control and time of possession were huge factors. 77 plays and 38 minutes of time of possession were impressive against Miami. And they were determined to hold on to the football after they got the lead. You know, yeah. the big fourth and one and go just, for it play on their own 35. I'll say this. Think about it. That's, a, that's, that's not easy to do. You think scoring touchdowns is hard? Try making first downs without scoring touchdowns. When your run game's not producing right? like it against, usually does. Yeah, against a, against a really good run front. I mean, that's they almost, they almost ended the game on that fourth and a half a yard. Um, the defense closed it out. And that would have been as that's exactly what they did to the Patriots. They ran out the last five oh two on the clock against those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's unbelievable to be able to do that. And they almost got it done in that in that situation. Almost ran the whole clock out with the last you know what was it three minutes or so to go in the game. Yeah, Ricky on the tweet sheet says that we have to feature James Cook consistently. He was eating too well in the beginning to not keep feeding him heavy like the Dallas game. I don't know if you wanted to feed him that much in this game. One of the primary reasons why is Josh Allen has had enormous success throwing the football against this Dolphins defense. So to yeah. go go super heavy in the run game, especially when they seem to have the edges locked down. Cook had a tough time getting to the corner and getting upfield. They seem to have that sniffed out pretty effectively and his yards yeah. per carry average would speak to that for the game. Right. I didn't think they were running the ball as, as successfully as they have in pass, and credit the Dolphins for that, particularly Christian Wilkins. That guy was a monster yesterday. And quite frankly, that's not where the Dolphins stink, right? They're good at the, against the run. At least they were last night. Where they struggled was in their pass rush yeah, they're a top 10 and their back defense. end. <clears throat> So that's where you're going to attack, and that's why Josh threw the football last night. Um, he had 15 rushes, and probably only, what, less than half of those were, were by design. Were by design yeah. Right? So uh, they were going to throw the ball last night because that's what the Bills do. That's how they, the way they match up with the Dolphins. Yeah. Dave on the tweet sheet says, the unmatched resilience of this team will win them a Super Bowl this year. Well, well look, resilience – is a fantastic trait to have. We know how battle-tested this team is over the years, the playoff experience that the majority of the roster has and comes equipped with for this postseason run. But it's not always resilience that will get you a victory. Yes, they were resilient yesterday. They were also resourceful. They were also a little lucky. You know, they get a bounce yeah. off a helmet, yeah. and there's only one guy underneath the ball in the back of the end zone, and fortunately it's a Buffalo Bills player. Right. So Here's sometimes you got to be a little lucky, too. Here's the problem with being resilient. The Bills have been resilient on a week-to-week basis throughout the season where they, they come out and they struggle here, they fix it, and they respond, and they get injuries, and they overcome it. it you know, for the next week they got it fixed. And at this time of year, you have to do it in-game. You don't have time to go back and fix it next week. you got to fix it in-game. You can't resilience is one thing, but it's got to be instantaneous now in the playoffs. You cannot take a week to get it together. Yeah, preferably it's from one series to the next. You plug it up and get it fixed and addressed. Right. Because otherwise, you're going to be on the wrong end of the scoreboard, and the teams are too good in the postseason. Even if you are resilient, to sometimes overcome it. 
Chris on the tweet sheet says, the fact that despite the turnover struggles, they still dug one out. This raises the anxiety levels on a weekly basis. I just don't want to see this run end prematurely. They made the tourney. Please play some better ball. I think they'd be the first to tell you they could have played better in the first half. We just heard Sean McDermott say as much from around the locker room. So, look, you're not telling them anything they don't know, and they'll get back at it in practice this week and hopefully play a more complete three-phase football game for four quarters. It's been elusive. I don't think there's any secret about that. It has been an elusive prospect this year for them to play a three-phase total football game. Dallas is probably the last time we saw that. Right. Um, and the last time before that, I mean, are you going all the way back to Miami first game the week four? You might be. Maybe. So they, they've got some stuff that they have to pull together and they know the level of competition is going to rise precipitously uh, now that they're in the postseason, even with a seven seed like the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'll say this. Got to yeah, clean it all up. It's even if all the Bills hopes and all Bills fans hopes and dreams come true and this team does get all the way in and, and go, there's going to be some moments in these next four games that are going to be excruciating. It's hard to win a playoff game. It's hard to win multiple playoff games. And it's really hard to get to a Super Bowl. And I imagine <laughs> it's really hard to win one. And I really know. Um, I've had up close personal experience in observing somebody win it at my expense. Um, it's hard. It's really hard to get there and to win it. And there's going to be moments when it doesn't look like it's going to happen. There might be multiple moments where it looks like it's not going to happen. You've got to be ready to, to weather those and, and battle through them as a football team. And, the pro, and one of the reasons you know, that happens to some teams and not to others is because some teams are ready for the moment when you don't know what that moment's going to be. You don't know it's going to be a punt return in the fourth quarter of a division championship game. You don't know that. You don't know that it's going to be a, a quick screen in the first quarter of a playoff game. You know, some of these plays, you don't know where they're going to be, but you've got to be ready for it. And it's going, to get, it's going to be ugly for whatever team gets there. It's going to get ugly at times. So you've got to be ready to weather it. And the preparation and the, the way we've seen this team over this last month and five weeks win games has got to give you some confidence that at least they're going to be ready for it, even if they can't get it done. You know what I mean? So we'll yeah. see. And if they don't have all the bullets in the chambers – they at least have three good enough ones to get over and win a football game. Right. Because that's how they've won for the better part of the last five weeks. They, they haven't had everything firing and operating perfectly, and yet they've still found a way to win, and, they've, and each of those wins have been by different means. I, I think that is what inherently makes them dangerous, even if they're not playing perfect football. Kev on the tweet sheet says, as usual, Kincaid and Shakir – our best targets, carrying the load. These two guys are reliable as hell. Vaughn had a few decent pass rushes. Finally, Cook's pass-catching skills need 10,000 more reps in the offseason. Bills make you sweat out every game till the end. Awesome win. Emily on the tweet sheet says, The offense definitely clicked better than they have in previous weeks, and I love seeing Diggs getting a little more involved, along with Kincaid and Shakir having some big plays. I mean, you think about the emergence of Kincaid and Shakir, and it's, it's pretty 
significant because without the emergence of those two, I don't know well, that the passing game's up to snuff to make a deep playoff run. Not only that, it's also Cook. Um, the three of those guys are—they're kind of in this regime in the in the McDermott regime with Josh Allen and Diggs and those guys. These are young guys. Shakir's second year, Kincaid first year. Um, it's just, it, yeah, I, it's it's been great to see. Uh, and they're going to need them. But they're young guys who have really stepped up and finally got an opportunity, and they're making the most of it. So uh, we'll see how that goes going forward. But I agree with him. I'm, it's it's going to be crucial for those guys to continue to get opportunities. Speaking of the receiving core, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport has an update on Gabe Davis and the knee injury he suffered in last night's game. Rappaport is reporting that Davis suffered a PCL sprain that is not considered major. His status is TBD, but he has not been ruled out of anything at this point. So in the eyes of Rappaport, it's considered solid news. So we'll see how he makes his way through the week. And obviously, head coach Sean McDermott will be addressing the media at 4 this afternoon. And we'll probably get an official update at that time on Gabe Davis and a host of other players who got nicked up in the game on Sunday, including Deion Dawkins, Rasul Douglas, Tyrell Dodson. So there are a bunch of players in the game that got nicked up. So hopefully none of them seriously. Uh, Taylor Rapp even at the end of the game too. Right. uh, Came up on the interception a little bit lame uh, and was hobbling off the field. So we will take a break here. When we come back, we'll bring you up to date on the Black Monday goings on. It is the time of year, unfortunately, where those non-playoff teams might see their coaches given pink slips. We'll give you the rundown of who has been handed those next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, well, as happy as people are that uh, root for the Bills and the Bills organization at large. It is not a good day for a lot of coaches around the league, ones that did not make the playoffs or underachieved to the point where they put their job in jeopardy. And overnight last night, head coach Arthur Smith of the Atlanta Falcons was the first domino to fall. He was uh, fired at two minutes after midnight this morning. Um, So he was given his walking papers after three seasons on the job. We know the Carolina Panthers fired Frank Reich during the season. They followed suit with firing general manager Scott Fitterer this morning, along with quarterbacks coach Josh McCown. Um, And then outside of that, the Giants fired a couple of assistants, including their special teams coordinator, Thomas McGay. And then we saw the other one, Ron Rivera, head coach of the Washington Commanders, was let go along with defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio and defensive backs coach Brent Wieselmeyer. So that's kind of where that's at. Um, There are interviews getting lined up already. The commanders have made the following head coach interview requests. Lions D.C. Aaron Glenn, Lions O.C. Ben Johnson, Ravens D.C. Mike McDonald, Rams D.C. Raheem Morris, and Ravens assistant head coach, D-line coach, Anthony yeah. Weaver, who coached for the Bills at one yeah, point I got a in time, dark too. Horse, a dark horse candidate for me would be Aaron Glenn. I, I, I knew him a little bit as a player. I played against him, and he was a dude. They, um, I, I, I hope I'm pulling for him secretly. But you got the Chargers, the Falcons, 
the Panthers, the Raiders, the Commanders. And that's all I can think of off the top of my head for jobs that are open now. It's usually about five or six. That'll yeah. do it for us on a Buffalo Victory Monday. We'll see you tomorrow when we have ESPN's Dan Orlovsky with us. We'll catch you at 1 p.m.